Blog Talk Radio. Ready, set, Welcome to the Couch Potato Sports Show, your internet radio home for all sports news and talk. Join Sonny Clark, the hardest working man in sports radio. We cover it all from NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, as well as indoor football and high school sports. So let's do this. Here's Sonny Clark. All right, everybody, welcome into the Couch Potato Sports Show. It is me, Sonny Clark, the hardest working man in sports radio here on a Sunday morning. The Sunday morning tradition continues with that being said. Our ninth season, our 20th episode, and it never gets old. I think it's because it's all about taste. <laughs> anyway. Hope everybody's having a great weekend. I've had a great weekend. There's a lot of it, you know, finally. A week after the championship game of, uh, of our league, I finally, was yesterday. And, and I've got to admit, I've, I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> I, and, and normally I don't embarrass these. I mean, you know, and normally I don't do anything to really be embarrassed about. You know, I'm just kind of a guy, just go to work, go, you know, go to work, go home, go to sleep, go to work, go home, go to sleep, you know, that kind of thing. But I caught myself with some extra time. And, and the problem is, is that when you got extra time, sometimes you'll do something that you normally don't do. Now, I did my business and everything, so I got all my stuff out of the way, so – I was allowed to bench, and I did this on Saturday. And this is the part I'm embarrassed about. I've got this interesting little thing that plays videos. It's called a Roku or R-O-K-U, where you can you can bring up your uh, your shows and things of that sort. And uh, I ran across this application, I guess is what they call it. I don't even know what they call them. I don't know, but it's called Nosey, N-O-S-E-Y. And I caught myself on this channel, and I saw just a quick clip of a Maury Povich thing. And before you know it, I clicked on it, and I had watched seven episodes, actually total of nine episodes of Maury Povich. That is the embarrassing part of what my week has been. I watched Maury Povich, and not only did I watch it, I watched it with great interest, and that's what scares me. <laughs> that's what scares me about the whole thing. But uh, embarrassment aside, uh, it is Sunday morning. It is that being said, but you know. It, but here's the problem with those websites that I was watching the Maury Povich thing on. They're from years and years and years ago. And there was one story I wanted to hear the ending of and couldn't find it anywhere on Google. So Google doesn't know everything. Still want to know about that. (laughs) About that. Anyway, it just goes to show whenever I think that my life is just a complete and utter disaster, okay, if you're way above Maury Povich, you've done something. You're working hard. You're doing something. I don't know. Anyway, 
Hey, it is the Couch Potato Sports Show. Again, 19th season, 20th episode. Welcome into the show. I, I want to kick this show off with something that we know, you know, I, I, I've, I have been accused of being a little bit harsh on recreation sports. That being golf. Golf is not a sport. It's a recreation sport. But this time of the year, it's all about Wimbledon. In tennis, now, and and Sonny Clark digs up on tennis. Okay, I like tennis. Serena Williams is the only woman winner of Wimbledon still in it. Which, by the way, um, she's all set and ready to go to probably what run through Roger Federer and uh, Nadal. They're they're all set to go head to head. Uh, next weekend. The next weekend, they'll have breakfast at Wimbledon, and I'll get up and I will watch it before the Couch Potato Sports Show. It's just what I do. I do love Wimbledon. I do love Wimbledon two weeks, not just Wimbledon week. It's Wimbledon two weeks. So, and you get to see the young stars, and I've been doing this ever since 1980. And folks that don't know the the importance of 1980 to Wimbledon. All I got to say is Vieron Borg and John McEnroe. And if you don't know the story and you have Hulu, go watch it. It's on Hulu, by the way. Um, and just watch it. Now, horrible acting aside, it was still an interesting watch. Um, I'm sure they didn't even come close. I, I bet you there's a lot of cut film that didn't make the final splice on that one. But if you've listened to my show going back nine years, I've said it before, I'll say it again. My two biggest heroes in the sporting world, my, my biggest hero is my father. As much as I love um, Walter Payton and one John McEnroe, they don't hold a stick to my dad. But my sports hero is John McEnroe. And, I'm, and I'll tell you the reason why. Is not only does he hold the uh, linesmen, the referees, the umpires responsible, he holds himself responsible. And it's one of the things that I've always looked I mean, the guy had a drive and a passion, and he wanted to be his buddy. This is not like the NBA where they want to play with your buddy. So he wanted to beat them. And, and that's the reason why when I look at LeBron James, I question his dedication to his own sport, as great as he is. No heart, no drive, I'll, I'll just score. Or I'll just play with my friends. Instead, if you look at it now, Michael Jordan, Larry Bird, all these guys back in, they hated each other. Guys, they hated each other on the court. They wanted to be the best in the world, and they were willing to prove it night in, night out, and they were willing to put their bodies on the line. Unlike today's NBA and um, one LeBron James, LeBron James don't want to put his body on the line. Now, he puts in a lot of minutes. I'll give him the credit for that. But put his body on the line. See, and the reason why LeBron James – yeah, it's the reason why you can never consider LeBron James one of the best to ever play the game because we would never know what it would be like with LeBron James driving the hole in the mid-90s. 
if we could get a sense of what kind of person he would be after getting knocked around like a pinball trying to drive the lane in the early 90s, I won't, I won't even come close to saying that LeBron James can hold. I will say that LeBron James will hold the title of being the best in the world at what he does today to steal the Chris Jericho line. There is no question that LeBron James is the best at what he does right now. And the problem is, is you can't go back into a you know time machine and put him up against these guys. But I'll tell you what I think I know. Because I don't think that he could stand, you know, a half a season playing with the Isaiah Thomases, playing with the Carl Malone, playing with Gary Payton, playing with guys that would rip your head off like a Danny Ainge, playing with a Bill Lambeer, playing with a uh, Dennis Rodman, although I can't stand to look at the guy. And ultimately playing with the best in the world that ever played the game, which is Michael Jordan. Once we would get an idea of what that game would be, I could put him right there. The reason why I have him no better than Larry Bird, notice how I said no better. He is at Larry Bird or just below Larry Bird. And I got Larry Bird like six in my all-time list. Okay? There's nothing to be embarrassed about, but that goes along with the ego. Oh, you know, and, and that ego is pressed by him, by him wanting to be the best in the world. Until he gets to Kobe, I don't even want to hear it. I, and you can say whatever you want about it. You can say, you know, you know he, he's been to this many finals, and, and the only disagreement I have in that is this is not football. Because if you look at Joe Montana in the Super Bowl, he went there four times, won four times. Great, wonderful. He is great. But he's not the best in the world. That'd be Tom Brady. Football's different than basketball. Tom Brady is the man. And not only that, he could have played in the day. It's easy to kind of look at what Tom Brady is. Now, he may have had a few less yards or whatever the case may be, whatever. But the guy could deliver the ball, and that's all you need to do as a quarterback. When it comes to being the best in the world at basketball, you're only dealing with four other players on the other team on the other – or five other players on the other side. Five others. You know, so it's they're totally different thinking because football's still that physical sport, even though they've kind of taken a little bit out of it. You can see what happened. I, I look at Jerry Rice for for crying out loud. Jerry Rice, if he played in today's NFL, no one would touch him ever with the yards that he would have ended up gotten, get end up getting. So it's a different game. It's a different way it is. John McEnroe, back in the day, required himself to be the best he could be, and he let himself know about it when he wasn't doing well, and he let it out in a very local, 
vocal way. When the linesman messed up, he let him know. When chalk flies up, it's in. Period. That's always been a rule. And the most famous one that he loses his mind on is where Chuck clearly flies up. It's not even a question. Even on the old video with no high definition, you've seen the chalk fly. So it, you know, and John McEnroe held them accountable. And when they were wrong, he, it, it, he let them know about it. And he even said, hey, I may have missed that one. Fine. I didn't miss this one. The chalk fly. So, it's one of the things when I look at guys and I look at character, I look at passion, and that is one thing that when I look at LeBron James, he doesn't have the passion that he should for the game that he plays. So it is what it is. McEnroe could argue a call, challenge the ump, seemingly get all emotional, and immediately block it out and never let it affect his focus to the next point, and that is absolutely right, Tim. 100%. Borg, Sampras, Connors, and Federer, you know, maybe they can, but you wouldn't know because you wouldn't hear Borg, Sampras, maybe Connors. Connors got very vocal sometimes, but he let it affect his game. And more so, he let his hate for another player give in the way of how he played as well. Jimmy Connors and, and John McEnroe couldn't stand anybody. They couldn't stand each other. But when they got on the court, it was magic. When McEnroe and Borg got on the court, it was magic. Now, the way it is... Nadal and Federer, this is going to be final. That's what it's going to be. I mean, I, there's nobody is even going to come close. They've been sailing through this tournament like they, you know, you know, they're just, you know, holding, you know, croissant in one hand and swinging with a with, with a racket with the other. You know, maybe a cup of tea while they play at the same time. And Nadal and Federer are going to be a great final this year, and I'm going to watch it right before our show next week. Actually, I think they play Saturday and the women play Sunday. Either way, I'm having breakfast at Wimbledon um, both of those days. So, but you're, Tim, or Todd, you're absolutely right. John McEnroe put it out of his head like he didn't do it. And not only that, he held himself accountable. He screamed at himself. You know, some people would say, well, that's not the kind of guy that you would want to, you know, be like. I'm telling you right now, when I played, I was John McEnroe. Now, I wasn't John McEnroe to where I would scream at someone, boy, but when I looked at you, I was screaming all the way through. I was John McEnroe in my brain. I'm telling you right now. I, I sometimes just wouldn't go out and so, but I wished I could. That's the, the fire. And, but when I was right, yes, I would be John McEnroe. I'd let him know. Now, my brother, my oldest brother, was the, was a tennis player. And he was very good, by the way, um, a, a very good tennis player. I know he was on the high school tennis team. I can't remember what, how well he did when he played, but I know he was very good, and I know he could beat the hell out of me. Although, but here's the thing. Uh, I didn't play him very often, but I knew he kicked my butt, but I would want to be John McEnroe to try to kick this guy's ass brother or not. Jimmy Connors was 
he was different than McEnroe because Connors was, you know, you know, he would let this, he would let it linger. And like Todd said, McEnroe had a way of putting it like it never happened and go on to the next point. So his focus was amazing. Jimmy Connors, I don't think he had the focus. Borg, Agassi, Sampras, these guys were guys that had focus, but they didn't have, they didn't have that outgoing personality that you would see out on the tennis court like a John McEnroe. Love me some John McEnroe. He is the he, – there's not too many people that can come close to John McEnroe in my eyes as far as passion and drive and a dedication to winning more so than John McEnroe. And not only that, he was he, he was he was a guy that – you know, looked at tennis and the Davis Cup and how important the Davis Cup is. I'm not going to explain it to you. If you don't know how important the Davis Cup is to tennis, do some research because we just won't do that here. I, I won't do the research for you. The importance of what Davis Cup is, John McEnroe even to this day believes that there has to be a dedication to Davis Cup. And unfortunately, the United States is not very good at it. Look up what the Davis Cup is and giving back as tennis and his commitment even to this day. And not only that, there's not a better broadcaster on, on anything as far as John McEnroe. Um, I don't know if he's doing the broadcast uh, this year. Or I don't think he did it last year. And that is a really a big miss, not having his knowledge. But that's what John Patrick McEnroe means to tennis. People look at it, and I look at John McEnroe, and I know you can go back to many guys to Nastasi. You can go back. Nastasi was a crazy guy out on there, but he was also a guy that let it linger. McEnroe let it out, forgot about it, and then whipped your ass up on top of it. And so much so that it got you had nothing to do with what was going on on the call, what he was screaming at and everything, but it would affect you. And if you weren't prepared on what John McEnroe would do outside of tennis, out on the tennis court, he would get in your head that way, and you would have nothing to do with what he's yelling about, but it would get to you. Go back and listen to, to the Flemings, the Agassiz. Go back and listen to these guys, and you will know just how great John McEnroe not only was for the game, but the importance of passion, the importance of holding people accountable as well as yourself, that's what John McEnroe is. I'm not saying that the Borgs and Flemings and, you know, Agassiz and guys that didn't lose their mind out on the uh, court weren't guys that, could, that had passion or drive. I'm not going to say that. The fact of the matter is when I look at Jimmy Connors of, you know, his – body of work, so to speak, and I look at John McEnroe, they say, all oh, these guys are side by side, and it's not, and folks, it's not even close. As much, and, and I loved watching, believe me, I loved watching Jimmy Connors and John McEnroe out on the court. There was no better TV, but it was different, and it was easy to tell. Oh, that hadn't been said. No. Let's bring him on in. Your ass the fine co-host of this program, 
unfashionably late, getting the highest height. It's Cuervo on a Sunday morning. Welcome in, my friend. Good morning to you, Sonny. How are you? I, I'm jazz. I mean, I, I but, you know, I, I, I found myself with a little extra time. I don't know how much of the diatribe you heard, but I'm, I'm embarrassed this morning as I watched nine consecutive episodes of Maury Povich, and not only did I watch it, Cuervo, I was deeply engaged. <laughs> wow. <clears throat> yeah. I yeah. What 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 drove you to do something like that? Well, I got this thing that's called a Raku. It's a it's a okay. Streaming, I know what that is. It's a streaming thing, and mm-hmm. um, I come I came across this app called Nosey, N O S E Y. I might be pronouncing it wrong, but it looks nosy to me. Um, anyway, um, I, and they had a clip of Maury Povich, and I watched this clip. And the next thing you know, I was watching nine full episodes of Maury Povich and getting deep into it. Yeah, I'm embarrassed on a Sunday morning. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, no, you know what, though? It does get interesting sometimes, though, Sonny, because you do want to watch and continue to uh, see, you know, what the what the test results are, because that's what most of his episodes are about. Uh, exactly. About either whether, whether you're the father or not, and... Uh, they determined it was a lie. You know, lie detector, lie detector. And pre- and yep. fraternity test. That's that's what that show is about. Those two things Great right TV. there. Great <laughs> yeah. TV. No, it can be. It, it's horrible TV. I'm telling you, I know how bad that is. And I and it's almost like it's almost like watching fishing on TV. You have no business watching fishing on TV. But guess what? Well, fish, Before you know it, you've been watching for two and a half hours. Well, fishing shouldn't be on TV in the first place. That's something you should go out and actually do. You know what I mean? Like, well, it's so much more fun. Uh, no, yeah, I think a fish getting on the end of the line would just screw up a nice day, at, you know, sunbathing, you know, out by the creek, you know, I <laughs> and listening right. to the, listening listening to a baseball game, it would just interrupt everything. So I don't know, but yeah, it it is what it is. Hey, now have you gotten into at all? And I don't know if you have. And folks, he has no idea what I'm about ready to ask him. Uh, have you been getting into Wimbledon and Wimbledon week? I, it's actually Wimbledon two weeks, but have you been getting into the, uh, the tennis at all? Or are you like me and the soccer? It just really doesn't, you know, pique your interest. Well, I mean, I'm I'm watching ESPN right now, and they're showing, uh, I guess, Roger Federer is going to be facing Adrian somebody. I don't know if it's the name, the name in the way, but um, – but it looks like it. I guess what they're it looks like what they're talking about is it's it's setting up for another classic Federer versus Nadal match, which Absolutely. which would be great to see. Uh, you know, I mean those those matches are always a classic. So yep. uh, if it winds up being that way, then I actually might watch that. But other than what I'm watching as far as highlights right now on ESPN, no, no, nope, I've watched it. about two and a half seconds of Wimbledon, and I was changing Got channels. It. And guess what? I'm the exact opposite on soccer, although I I know Brazil went down, and I know a little bit about Brazil. Why does Sonny know about Brazil? Well, he called the Brazil Indoor uh, indoor Soccer uh, World Cup. 
I call the level of that over here at Allen in Allen, Texas. You can actually hear how bad that call was because I couldn't pronounce the names. But take away from that, um, I, and I knew Brazil. What the only thing I knew about the World Cup is and what I thought is Brazil was a shoe in. Well, they got beat yesterday, or it might have even mm-hmm. been the day before. I forget. They got their butts handed to them. T- well, and a two to one is a butt handing to you uh, in that uh, as far as that's it. And I think it was Argentina that. Be- uh, no, it wasn't Argentina. Someone else. Beat no. Them, but he, he, it, it was. Um, it was somebody. Um, I think the country did start with an A. But that having been said, I know they're out, and that was probably the biggest shock of what people would be looking at as far as the World Cup is concerned. So who the other countries are that have the advantage or, you know, can win this whole thing, couldn't tell you who it was. So it was actually Belgium that beat them, Sonny. Belgium. I just remembered. Yeah, so Belgium, Belgium beat them. And that that puts them in the semifinals against France. So right. we're the basically only, down. We're, no, I was the only thing the only thing I know about Belgium. Now. The only thing I know about Belgium is they got great waffles. I mean, and that's just about it. Well, that's a given. That's a given. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, and I didn't, and and I wouldn't have known probably Brazil if I didn't call the. You know, and a lot of those guys also played the indoor game as well. So um, mm-hmm. that's the reason why I, I even when they were mentioning names, I was like, wait a second, I called this guy. I obviously didn't pronounce his name right, but I called that guy um, when they did the indoor stuff, and it was kind of cool on, on that. But uh, so you're like me and tennis. I, I'm you know you're, you're like me when it comes to soccer. You feel the same way about tennis, but although. You would you would sit and watch the Nadal uh, Federer match, whereas I probably even if Brazil was there would not have watched the soccer. So um, and so at least you got a little more you know in interest into Wimbledon, and also uh, the only well, woman on the on the woman's side, the only one that's still in it that has ever won a Wimbledon, that be Serena Williams, is the only woman uh, in it right now. Uh, up on that side. So, you know, just uh, kind of give the people just a little taste of what Wimbledon's all about. Yeah, and and that's not really a surprise to anybody, I don't think, Sonny. Even even after coming off of giving birth, uh, everybody knows how much better Serena Williams is than every other female tennis player in, in the world, really. Yeah. Um, so the fact that she's still in this thing uh, is really shouldn't be a shock to anyone, you know, pregnant or not. Uh, you know that's it's not a surprise. So uh, took a year and a half who? off, but you know after the baby was born, and she's actually ranked number twenty-five in Wimbledon. And whoever does the rankings, you know, completely missed. I mean, especially how well she did in her comeback match to get to Wimbledon. Uh, she didn't win the she didn't mm-hmm. win the tournament, but she got back in shape and she was all ready to go. So her being ranked number twenty five is a joke because people just are not paying attention to the talent. They only See, pay attention to the last year of what they did out on the yeah. court. See, but I, now I don't agree with that, though, Sonny. Now, unless, unless I missed something and maybe she, like, lost a match right before she took her, her break. Uh, nope. I don't see how you would drop in rankings just because you didn't participate in, 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 the, in, the, in the tournaments or whatever. So the fact that she left 
hadn't lost a match or, you know, whatever the case may be, didn't lose right before she, she took her time off. I, I don't, I don't, I don't see how you drop in the rankings like that. that. That's something I definitely don't agree with as far as how they rank tennis players. You would, you would definitely know more than I do since you're more of a tennis advocate than I am. But I, I just don't get how that happens where somebody will drop in rankings just because, you know, they were unavailable, you know, especially for a pregnancy. I mean, come on, how are you going to, how are you going to drop somebody for that reason? So, well, I don't know. I, I never understood know the that. answer to the question. I know the answer to the question. You're right. I'm a little bit more. And I figured you know what it is. Um, it, it, what they do is when you look at how they seed in tennis, okay, the seeding in tennis really doesn't have anything to do with how great you are. It, it's about your performance in your last eight, okay? And if your last eight is more than a year, that's when you start dropping off of the things. She, Serena Williams took a year and a half off of, of not playing, which in turn after the years when she started going way down the ranking systems because of the fact that she didn't play. Now, that's an ATP thing of the, uh, on how they do it in order to quote-unquote protect their rankings of uh, viable and current players. So that's how they do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I agree with I agree with you 100%. If you can't take a look at Serena Williams and realize she's, she's the number one tennis player in the world on the women's side, even after giving birth, you're crazy. Never mind having her drop the 453rd after she gave birth. So, you know, it, it's really... Jeez, are you women, serious? Yes, she was ranked four. Okay, I didn't know three. that. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Wow. She, they dropped her all the way down on that one. And it, it's just one of those things when <laughs> wow. you look at how that whole thing works and how pregnancy does uh, affect on the woman's side of the tennis. And they're trying to change it because all she had to do, again, Serena Williams, when she came back a couple weeks ago to tune up for Wimbledon, they had her ranked in the 100 spot at that time for that for that tournament, which in reality, mm-hmm. if Serena Williams shows up, she should be no, le- no further down the rankings than number 10. Um, and that's just by reputation of how great she is. Now, the difference between Serena Williams and Venus Williams, well, Venus Williams has played many, many times in this last year and a half, and she slowly lost her game. She just lost just recently as, uh, last, uh, uh, last week um, to be knocked out of Wimbledon. But she's still a force, but her rankings and the way she's been playing over the last year has put her in a situation where Venus Williams has slid down the – the thing as of right now, even Venus Williams in the world ranking is higher than her sister, and everybody knows that Serena Williams is better than Venus. Yeah, and, and I mean it's, that's, I mean that's yeah, that's definitely no debate about that. You know, I, I've always looked at Venus, Sonny, and and I always thought that she underachieved in her career. I do you too, because there's been I, times. Yep. There's been times, you know, where she gets hot and, you know, she'll, she'll win a couple of, uh, uh, you know, she'll win a tournament or something like that, and then you, don't, you won't hear anything from her for about a good, you know, the next two to three tournaments, and she'll be one and done or, 
maybe win one match and then lose in the next round or something. So it's it's crazy to look back and, and when these two came up together, you know, everybody was like, man, this is going to be the one, you know, number one and two for, for the next 20 years. And it just Absolutely. didn't work out that way. It, it, and, because... and not only that, it, it started when Serena started kicking her butt. So that was another thing. If you if you look yeah. at the whole thing and how the whole thing worked, okay, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Serena's a couple of years younger. I think, if I'm not mistaken, five years younger. Venus was consistently kicking Serena's butt, but sooner or later that all changed when she started getting uh, older and also hitting hitting the weight. But those two are the ones that really shows what weight training can do for a tennis game. If you have a power game, you can power by anybody in, uh, you know, in yeah. the top, you know, the top 15 with a power game on the woman's side. And they, they're the ones that really kind of introduced that whole situation regarding weight training and what it was like. Because if you look, look at Venus Williams, uh, or, you know, she's a rock. Look at Serena, she's a rock too, but with bigger rocks. So the, the difference, you know, and how those, how that game has come about over the years now. Again, I started watching Wimbledon back in 1978. Okay, that's why I go to 1980 being the best Wimbledon ever when John McEnroe and Borg went crazy in their in their matches. Um, so, but yeah, the Williams sisters have really redefined tennis to what it is today. And if you can develop that power game, you have an X, you, you might lose a little bit in speed, but the power will mm-hmm. get you more points. Uh, you know, so when you get more points with power, you, you can, you can lax a little bit in speed and that's what they proved. Uh, and they changed the face of women's uh, tennis over the last, what, 15 years now. Well, I think she spot, they inspired a new generation as well. I mean, you look at some of the, the younger tennis players, like, you know, like Sloane Stevens and all those that are coming up now. Um, you know, I'm, I'm almost positive if you ask them, you know, who inspired you to get into the, the sport of tennis. I mean, one, either one of the Williams sisters is going to get brought up 90% of the time. So, right. you know, the impact that they've had on the game, not just with their success on the on the tennis court, but, but even off just, just by inspiring younger ladies to play the game, you know, that, that's what makes them great. That's what makes any athlete great is if you can inspire others to do the same thing or follow, follow in, in, in certain footsteps. And as long as their morals are good, you know, so that's the other thing too, is, you know, the, the, the Williams sisters, you know, you never hear about them, any alter, you know, uh, uh, getting in any type of trouble, you know. I mean, it's, yep. it's always, they've always had a clean uh, history. Never, you know, they don't. You don't hear about them in the news about a DUI or something like that. And, and you really don't hear that in tennis, anyways. But for for them, especially because of the fact of who they are, um, the expectation is, is definitely there, and they've lived up to it. And not only that, Quare, but when you look at tennis and you look at oh, the way they're primed, uh, they're primed at, you know, 16, 17 years old, and they're way below the drinking age. So uh, you would think that you would hear more stories about the alcohol and things like that, and you just don't. It's amazing 
how mm-hmm. well tennis you know features themselves as being i don't want to say a clean cut thing going on but in reality when you think tennis you you th- you think you know you don't think drugs you don't think the things that you would normally think about is more so if you're talking basketball football and baseball and things of that sort so they're totally different well, uh, yeah. up on top of it and it's very recre- it's a recreational sport i mean it's it's you know you you see a lot of uh, uh i guess the wealthier class if you will they're the ones that that are more tennis advocates uh, and, and, and same thing with golf compared to the major mainstream sports that we yep. that we always talk about as far as basketball, football, and things like that. So I think that has a lot to do with it too. Is just the, the the class of people that that follow tennis, that play tennis, that are into tennis. It's, it's different from the other sports. Yeah, the civility, I guess you could say of it. If you kind of want to, that's what, yeah, when that's I think of. When mm-hmm. I think of golf and tennis, I think of you know of a civil kind of thing, you know, because you don't hear stories about the drugs in, in golf. You don't hear the stories about alcohol and golf, except John Daly. If you go back into the day in golf, I mean, this guy was a crazy, crazy yeah, yeah, guy. Drinking um, problem. Take yeah. Away, yeah, drinking problem, huge problem. Take away from John Daly. I can't think of anybody who has really had the battle against those kind of things, at least well, on the Tiger, golf side. And, well, Tiger, Tiger with with his deal. I, you know, with and especially with his latest deal and the drugs and everything, those were prescribed drugs. I'll, I'll be honest, and I'll put it out there. And I may, Sonny may be naive, and I'll, I'll accept that. I don't think when he got pulled over for the DLI, he knew what the heck he was doing. I think he was high because he was taking his medication, and the medication had him behind a wheel before he actually would have made that decision to do so. Now, or he probably again. Or he might have mixed the two, you know, taking, yeah. taking his drugs, you know, and drinking alcohol, which is <laughs> something you should never do. But that it might have yeah. been what that might have been what he did too. And I mean, when you do that, that's 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 a yeah. uh, cause for. I mean, good luck. Good luck remembering your your what planet you're on. You know, that, that's, well, that's how those two mix together. That's the reason why they put him in a jail cell more so than arrested him and let him go. Um, so that that, mm-hmm. that was the reason why that whole thing happened. Or they would have said, "Okay, Tiger, here, just show up to court. Here's your picture that you got to take for this," and they would have let this guy go. No, um, and and that's why I think when I look at Tiger Woods and everything else, and I look at that incident. You can take a look at the incident of him pulling around his wife. I don't really care about that part. I really don't, although it was a demise to his career. But as far as things like that, I look at what he did as far as the uh, driving under the influence. Um, I look at that whole situation as a guy who didn't know what he was doing at all. And like I said, I think he probably mixed them up. And then the next thing you know, he's, you know, wee, wee, wee. You know, and and it is what it is. So, but it, it you know, it, going back to the the cleanliness or the purity or the civil uh, civility of the sports of golf and tennis, you know, it, they 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 kind of you know go parallel in reality. Because you know, on the golf course, you got to be quiet. Same thing in tennis. You know, uh, there are certain mm-hmm. rules. They're really strict by certain rules. You can't do one thing, you know, or they'll penalize you for it. Same thing in golf. So, you know, they kind of parallel themselves. And that goes along with the, why I call it 
I don't call golf and tennis a sport. I call it a recreational sport, and they're two different things. But there's still a lot of competitiveness in that. But usually in those things, you're, the competitiveness is you're battling yourself as well as your as well as your opponent. More so in a team atmosphere, you have the team right. atmosphere. Yeah, that, and that's what I was going to say is that you know the, tennis and golf are, are individual uh, based performance and it's not team based. So it's right. a lot different mm-hmm. from other from the uh, the mainstream sports that we talk about. Yeah, it, it's hard to say you got to be a team player when you're a tennis player or a golfer. So it's you know unless you're in the Davis Cup or you're in the um, oh crap what's the golf one where they all. Um, play together um in the group but it, that's still about your yeah I forgot what it's called you know, yeah I, I can't remember but it is what it is so uh we are here on sunday morning our regular show we're gonna pop into one more subject before we jump into our break in cuervo and i wanted to get into this uh last week we just couldn't we just had a ha- I, I was lucky to get the interview with the head coach of the uh um uh, champions indoor football team champions uh, Duke City players. I was lucky we even got the recording. But last week, and but this really just came down to this week, and I want to talk about Julian Edelman. It's a very interesting story about what's going on with him and this whole test that was taken. And I find it very interesting because I think we briefly spoke about this, uh, you know, and there's going to be a high on either side, either all he's doing something wrong or all on the other side. Oh, you know, well, we don't even know what this drug is and he's being punished for it. Now I tend to lean Cuervo on this side of Julie Nettleman. They tested him for something, but they don't even know what it is. Cuervo. This is a weird story. It's one thing to know that what he did and yes, this was in the system and it wasn't supposed to be there. So you're being punished, but they, Cuervo, they don't even know what this is. And they, and here's the shocking thing of a Cuervo. And unless I missed it, and it, it could be because things have a tendency to go over my head. They still don't even know what it is. And they upheld the suspension of four games for Julian Nellman on a substance they don't know about. Okay. So, so, so here's my thing on that. It's, I thought the rule was you get suspended if it's on the banned list, right? So if it's not on the banned list, then why is he getting suspended? You know what I mean? And he and he and correct me if I'm wrong, Sonny, he he appealed and they denied it. So not only did they initially suspend him for an unknown substance substance, then he went to court Try to try to present the evidence again and say, "Look, nobody knows what it is. It's not on the banned list. Why am I getting suspended?" And then the NFL said, "Nope, screw you again. We're gonna we're gonna up, uphold the uh, suspension." But yet, but yet, guys like Zeke Elliott, and I think even Jameis Winston didn't Jameis Winston get his suspension reduced one game. Uh, no, he got three games. That and I, unless so I the, missed the news, unless I missed the news, it was a three-game suspension. I don't know if they dropped it unless I missed the news. I'm pretty sure it started off as a force, and yeah, I, I, we have to go back and look at it. But anyway, so things like what Zeke Elliott did, you know, grow up in a woman. Jameis Winston, grow up in a woman. Le'Veon Bell, 
you know, smoking a little weed. And we all know what marijuana is, right? We all know what that is. Yeah. So, and he even got his suspension reduced. Julian Edelman, and, 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 and don't get me wrong, and this is not about, you know, him being a patriot and all that stuff. That has nothing to do with it. I look at it as uh, he's just another player. My my thing is again, he's not. It's not on the banned list, Sonny. So this one's a hard one for me because you have to. If you're the NFL, and which we we never get this from the NFL anyways, but the expectation should be be consistent with your punishments, be consistent with with how you serve them, and and that hasn't happened because you got guys that, like I said, are are groping and, 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 you know, getting a handful of uh, things that they shouldn't be getting uh, and they get their suspensions reduced, but yet somebody smokes a little pot and we lay the hammer on them. So where, where's the, where's the moral compass in that, Sonny? That, that's my only issue. And, and you got another guy who, who takes a substance that, is unknown, which, I mean, you can argue all day whether it's unknown or not. Um, you know, I'm sure Conspiracy Couch has something to say about that, but if if tests were ran and, and nobody can determine what it was, then to me it's it's not on the band list, and that shouldn't be a suspension. So I don't know. That That's the way I look at it. I, I just think the NFL is way too inconsistent with their with how they levy their, their punishments. And I think I think a, a better system could definitely be put in place. And, it, and it, in reality, you know, you can you can sit there and point the finger at Roger all you want, but it has yeah. to start with the 32 owners in the NFL. That's who it needs to start with, because those are the ones that run the league. You can talk about Goodell as the commissioner all you want but we all know that he works for those 32 guys. So that's who it needs to start with. Those 32 guys need to put themselves in a room together and say, how do we implement a a system that's fair across the board that we can all agree on and is going to be, you know, morally correct in – holding players accountable because that's what it's really all about is you have to hold players accountable. I don't care who you are. If Tom Brady went out and smoked marijuana and got caught, we don't dismiss that just because he's Tom Brady. If the rule book says first offense is a three game suspension or whatever the case may be, then that's what it's going to be. I mean, for God's sakes, they suspended him four games because he supposedly took some air out of footballs like or you know what I mean? Like, so, I mean, he, he got more of a suspension than a, than, than, than a Jameis Winston and Ezekiel Elliott who put, put, it, put their hands on a, on an innocent woman. So, you know what I mean? Like that, that's where, yep. where, where's the, where's the, uh, where's the compass on that one? So, I don't know. There's so many examples that we can use and we can, I, I would use up the whole, the whole show, to talk about it, but I'm not going to do that. So I don't know. I, My I, only thing, rant, Cuervo, rant when, over when I go look, ahead. No, well, when I look at the whole thing, Cuervo, it's you. You kind of went right with the way I was going to head, but 
you know, the consistency is the big one. But really, in reality, I, I guess my question is, is, is he really being inconsistent? Well, if you look at the answers and what he brings down, it kind of looks inconsistent. But we go back to what you said in that last part of what you said here, is that we all know who he works for. So, you know, I, you know, parts of me will look at this situation. Roger Goodell is never going to get a pass because of who he is, okay? He's the commissioner. So anybody and everybody that has an out of getting people's attention, that whether it be uh, a TV show or a blog or a Facebook or a Twitter account, okay, there's absolutely – there's will never be a 100% great answer and Roger Goodell will never be that guy who, where everybody will like his decisions. It's just the way it is. There's only 32 um, opinions that he cares about. And as long as he can win a three-fourths majority of those 32 are the only ones that he gives a rat's fat ass about, period. And that be the 32 owners of the NFL football team. So whether or not anybody likes his decisions outside of those 32 or the three-fourths of those 32, Roger Goodell really loses about a half a second sleep about anybody's opinion in reality. Because as long as that money train is going and he is on it, he can care less. But when you talk about consistency and you talk about how you're going to put it down, the thing that is scaring me right now, Cuervo, as far as Roger Goodell is concerned, is there's one guy that's being kind of suspiciously quiet right now. And when you haven't heard from Jerry Jones, that is a problem. Because that means Jerry is working behind the scenes. Jerry is getting ready to do something. Ezekiel Elliott getting a six-game suspension on something that hasn't been proven, hasn't been, you know, any, any nothing. And Jameis Winston only getting three games. I'm going to tell you right now, Cuervo, Jerry Jones is fueling the jet and flying below the radar and doing some serious talking. There's going to be an explosion here, and Jerry Jones is going to be at the in the middle of it, and he's going to go to head to head against you know against Roger Goodell. And now, will he be able to convince more than one fourth of these team owners that he is a bad idea for the NFL? That will be remain to be seen. But the only problem is, is that Jerry Jones cannot guarantee that his successor, if they if they do get him out of their Cuervo, will be able to net them the amounts of money that they are making with Roger Goodell because they've never seen any money like it. And when you're the Cleveland Browns and you're making millions of dollars when you have no business making it, it's going to be hard to convince some owners that Roger Goodell is not the right answer as the commissioner of the NFL. And I Well, didn't he just get right an extension? And he got an extension. And he got yeah, an extension over Jerry Jones not liking it. Robert Kraft actually, him and Robert Kraft are trying to do something. But this last decision about Jameis Winston – might be enough to break the old man camel's back, and that being Jerry Jones is saying, "I've had enough of this. We're gonna get rid of him." So, um, and and that's what I'm 
and that's and that's what I'm saying, Sonny. So I actually forgot that Zeke got a six game. I thought it was only four. So yeah, right there, six that, that games for it. Zeke. That proves it. So you know, you know what it makes me. You know what it makes me think, Sonny. It makes me think that like Rogers got this. Uh, you've watched the prices, right? Right. You know the, yes. the wheel that that's yes. And he's got numbers from one to ten, and he spins that son of a gun. And what number, whatever number it lands on, that's how many games that, that player gets suspended for. <laughs> and it just so happens that Jameis got lucky enough that it landed on three. And Zeke, unfortunately, he got the six. So that's what it may, I mean, you know, uh, go ahead and hit the can we talk button, please, because that's <laughs> something that definitely needs to happen. Because it, it, that's, that's how I feel about it. Like, I can't, there, can we there's talk? no – Roger, please, let's sit down. Let's have lunch or something, okay? And, and you get to pay for it because you make $44 million a year, and I don't. So. Yeah, if you anyway, pay for it. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm going to invite myself, and you're going to pay for it. But anyway, um, I mean, I don't know what else to think. He's got a prices right wheel in his office, and he spins it to determine how many games a guy gets suspended for. The only thing that makes really no sense. Seen, yeah, uh, and, and the only thing that's been somewhat – is the drug situation. So when a guy gets caught and tests positive for six for marijuana, PEDs, whatever, like that's the standard. Okay. But now we need to go beyond that and we need to say, okay, for any type of sexual misconduct, this is going to be this, you know, it's a six game suspension for the first offense. Second, second offense is going to be a year. Third offense, you're gone. Like you're banned from the league. Like that's the way I would do it. It, it, and I'm just I'm just spitballing ideas out here. Um, uh, let's see. Do you? I won't hold you to those because I think I think if you if you kind of look at the severity from uh, PED to marijuana to sexual assault, I mean those are on three different levels. And I think more than what see. But what scares me about the NFL and what scares me about the arbitrarily handing down the suspensions. Is, is that that if a guy gets you know nailed for this twice, is he even considered to be able to play in the NFL after you know committing a crime against a woman? Um, you, you know, whoever is the second one to ever do this, we'll find out really quick. Hopefully, hopefully Roger Goodell would say, "Well, that's enough for you, young man in the NFL, and it don't matter. You're gone. You're out of here." Um, and I don't know how many court cases, court battles it would take in order for that one to get back. But if you and I mm-hmm. got nailed for a sexual assault, so first of all, we wouldn't have our job. And second of all, we would be maintained in a database on where we live for the rest of our freaking life. All right. So, you know, it, it, you know, so a sec, and, and this guy, Jameis Winston wasn't even arrested. <laughs> what, and, and and that's another thing. Now that's outside mm-hmm. of the NFL. I mean, that's outside. Well, I mean, how how this isn't happening? I guess you have to have a complainer, and that's the thing. Where both this woman is right. not moving forward with a with a um, criminal thing, and the reason why. And listen, you don't have to be a genius to figure it out. And that's all. Hey, instead of putting the guy in jail, let him put money in my pocket, and I'll never see the guy again. And, and that's what this is. But if they're not going to move on it as far as a uh, police thing going on, or the police getting involved, 
that's where Roger Goodell, I feel, and I might be wrong, and I know there probably be people who will disagree with this, where he needs to be the police. And three games is not enough. This is a complete and utter joke, by the way, um, that uh, Jameis Winston gets a three-game suspension. And, and this is admitted. And he didn't even come out and apologize for it. An apology is a recognition of the, of the facts and acceptance. And you can say whatever you want, but that's what that was. And three-game suspension. Jerry Jones is about ready to tear down the NFL and what it is right now. And Roger Goodell, I feel, is very, very limited on his time being the commissioner of this league. Well, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll have to see how that goes, Sonny. But I thought, I thought I heard that she accepted an apology from him. It might not have been a public one. But it might have been like, you know, more, more obviously more private. But, um, you know, and, and I guess she was willing to drop the charges too because of the fact that he apologized and he, you know, admitted he was Quare sorry, mo. whatever the case may be. Quare and she, it wasn't I know it's about the money. Quare I know. <laughs> it's about the money. I get it. I know. But he did it. But he did it. Yep. Good. Yes. He did it. Exactly, exactly. So. And, and and that goes and, and then I, then now I take this one step further, and it's outside of sports. It's the the police. I mean, police they go ahead and they go with a trial. They go with charges even without a complainant witness if they can prove. Beyond the, the uh, beyond reasonable doubt of whether or not, especially in sexual uh, sexual assault cases, there have been murders where people have been convicted of murder and there's not a body. It's kind of the same thing, you know. Yeah. So mm-hmm. with everything that's been said and has been quote unquote public or not, but there's no question this woman took the money. Hey, and I don't blame her. And the only reason why I don't blame her is this woman is not one of those groupies that hang out with them all day long. She'll never see him ever again. So instead of, you know, you know, throwing him in jail and getting no benefit but ridicule for the rest of your life, because let's be honest, this woman's going to get ridiculed for the rest of her life and be the main focus. She might as well profit from it. And I know that's a horrible thing to say, but what does Jameis Winston do? Spend no time behind bars on this. There's, there's not a winning situation in there except financial for this woman in reality. Yeah, I mean, and you know what? Honestly, that's the world we live in now, Sonny. And then there's nothing yep. wrong with taking, taking that payday, uh, getting your payday. It's, I mean, it's, you know, not the way you'd normally want to do it, but that's money talks. Like, yep, money talks. It's, it's such an old. It's an, it's such an old saying, but man, is true now more than ever because yep. that's you know that's what makes everything go around in in, it, in it, this world. Is it, if you got is. money, I mean, you can you can make. You can make things disappear. You can make things that happen never happen. Like when you have money, it's money is power. Money is power, yeah. and that's when you have it. You know, you use it. Bottom line, you and, use it. So and figure out and that's how what Jameis Winston's doing. You in the end, yep. 
how it will benefit you in the end is the biggest story out of them all, and we all know that. But but it is. So we're, well, we, we've knocked out an hour. we got to go to break. When we come back, there's more things to talk about, lots of NBA stuff that I want to talk about. Um, and uh, that that is – I mean, hey, Cuervo, when was the last time we really have – we have been on the NBA better than we ever have in our past few seasons. So maybe it's because LeBron's picking up and leave. Maybe there is some crazy things going on in the NBA that are finally getting our attention, but we're on the NBA better than we ever have in years before. So we'll talk more NBA. And, of course, there's some other news within the NFL. We're going to pop up on that. There is a coach in Arizona that decides drinking and driving is a great idea. Um, and he gets busted. Uh, actually, it's not a coach. It's a general manager over that way. We'll talk about that. On the other side, we're done with our first hour on the Couch Potato Sports Show. When we come back, we'll dive into those. We'll be right back. At Wesson General Contracting Incorporated, we're your one-stop shop for all your general contracting needs. We are locally owned and with over 20 years of experience, so roofing, gutters, sidings, fence staining, painting, foundation problems, or roof damage are no problems at all. Give us a call at 214-200-5588. That's 214-200-5588. Wesson General Contractors, proud sponsor of the Rowlett Eagles radio broadcast. Let Buffalo Creek Doors and Floors help you restore your home to its like-new condition. Need a contractor? Let us be your first stop as well as your last. We specialize in everything that others don't, such as stained concrete floors, wood spot repairs on doors and floors, stainless steel spot repairs, anti-slip on floors, and more. Want to see what kind of work we do? Check out our Facebook page and you can see the craftsmanship you'll receive and expect from Buffalo Creek Doors and Floors. Give Rodney James a call at 214-536-2607. That's 214-536-2607. Or check him out on the web at www.buffalocreekdoorsandfloors.com. We can never make talking about insurance as exciting as the Kentucky Derby. However, we can make it interesting to see how much we can help you save money on your car insurance. Check out Coslow Insurance at Rowlett Road and Main Street in Rowlett, or check them out on the web at coslowinsurance.com, where we always have the coffee pot on. Yeah, but is it fresh? and take it for a ride, check out Coslo Insurance, serving Texans since 1981. Bundle your home, auto, or business insurance to save a ton. Coslo Insurance on the corner of Main Street and Raleigh Road where we make insurance funds. Or check us out on the web at coslowinsurance.com where we always have the coffee pot on. Yeah, but is it fresh? The prospect of retirement can be exciting and scary at the same time. At Nest Egg Wealth Advisors, we have found many people either approaching or currently in retirement failed to truly maximize some of the benefits offered to them, primarily Social Security. What is it? How does it work? 
It's simply not a benefit that you start receiving at age 62 because these decisions are so important. My firm has assembled an informational packet on Social Security. If you would like a complimentary copy of Social Security Maximization, please give our office a call today at 972-412-6064 or visit us on the web at nestegadvice.com. This is Sunny Clark, radio voice of your Rowlett Eagles, letting you know about Perfection Body Sculpting located in Rowlett. Did you know that Perfection Body Sculpting doesn't just offer laser lipo and radio frequency for body contouring? We also offer cellulite reduction and skin tightening, as well as thermal lift and cosmetic and collagen facial creams, as well as top-of-the-line facial masks to help reduce fine wrinkles. There are also gift certificates as well as gift baskets with awesome products in it. Call today for your appointment and get three 24-gold facial masks with the purchase of a $69 consultation that includes a 30-minute laser lipo session. So contact 214-735-8519 or visit them on the web at www.perfectionbodysculpt.com. tradition continues alongside the best co-hosts in Blog Talk history being Cuervo. We bring you, that being said, hop into the NBA because there's some interesting news within the NBA and the big one is really interesting. Last week, not more than a week ago, and might have been close to two, We might have covered this last week, but we had a problem getting on air. But Carmelo Anthony goes ahead and opts in at Oklahoma City with all the millions of dollars. That move puts Oklahoma City and the Thunder past the luxury tax in the tune of over $100 million this week. We get the news that Oklahoma City says, well, you can opt in all you want. We're going to figure out how to get rid of you anyway. And that's what they're in the process of doing, Cuervo, because one Carmelo Anthony, he's going to accept the buyout of that contract, and he's going to go play someplace else. Now, the big question in reality, Cuervo, is where. And But I look at all these guys, and I guess it's me. I, I, and it's got to be. This guy sucks. I'm sorry, he's not a great basketball player. He's not the guy he used to be. Um, When he was in Denver, he needed not to be in Denver. He needed to be someplace else to where he can hone his craft a little bit better and become a better basketball player. But unfortunately, at the time, he was stuck with the Nuggets. Now, 
got teams out there talking about grabbing up Carmelo Anthony. And, hell, guess what, Cuervo? The LA Lakers are in the talk for this as well. So an interesting situation on what's happened in Oklahoma uh, City regarding one of their guys. But I never thought that this was a great idea anyway for Oklahoma City in reality. Um, That was one of the points that I had for last week to talk about. Uh, Was Oklahoma City uh, crazy for that contract to even have a possibility of standing with him opting in on the contract? But now it, it, uh, it comes to show you know, that they were in full control anyway because they're just going to opt out of that contract anyway, pay it off, and get rid of them and get back below the luxury tax because $100 bucks that is a big hit on a tax on a basketball team that doesn't win championships. Yeah, it is, and especially in a small market like Oklahoma City where, I mean, you you want to make every dollar, you know, work for you instead of, throwing money away so with that said i mean that's gonna be a huge um i don't know do they do like cap penalties kind of like in the nfl is that how is that what yep. you're referring to yeah. or yeah but, okay, but yeah, that's, they're that's big, gonna be... those are big bucks too cuervo though that's why they well, yeah. were a hundred million a hundred million but when you talk the nfl you know that, that number is a big number. And one of my things was, well, you got to make a penalty or a quote-unquote luxury tax hurt. Um, that hurts a team like Oklahoma City, but it doesn't hurt a team like the Golden State Warriors. It doesn't hurt the Lakers who throw money around like it, you know, they're wiping their behinds with it. But when you talk Oklahoma City, that makes an impact. Well, I think I think NBA, any NBA team really, Sonny, because um... – in the NBA, all all contracts are fully guaranteed, so you're taking, a, you know, a hit on that full contract, not just part of it, or uh, you know, based on bonuses. Like there, there is none of that in the NFL or in the, in the NBA. Everything is fully guaranteed in the in the NBA. So you're taking you're taking a bite out of that full contract and, and getting hit with that penalty. So I mean. Yeah. You might you might think that Golden State wouldn't would would not be hurting off of something like that, but honestly, they would probably be hurting more than you realize. I think any team it would hurt, even even a team like the Lakers, New York Knicks, you know, the big city markets that that um, you know have a little bit more revenue than the smaller the smaller teams, uh, just because of the fact that they're their contracts are fully guaranteed contracts. So you have to take a hit for the full contract. I, I see this whole thing and I see how, how it has come about and I'm all for this. I am so for it because if you want them to play within the rules and have it to be fair, um, that's one of the things that has to happen. There are other ways of doing it, but you got to make it a, a you know a, a penalty enough to where you just don't want to do it, and that's what Oklahoma City's doing, uh, because the, even though that money is quote unquote guarantee, there's a buyout guarantee that's a lot cheaper than what they're about ready to take a hit on. So they're going to take that option and they're going to buy that thing out. And then you see Carmelo Anthony moving into a different basketball team. Cuervo, does this guy have anything in reality, whether it be the Lakers or anybody else? Me, I don't see it. 
And maybe it's because I never was a fan of Carmelo Anthony. Maybe it's because mm-hmm. I've never seen this guy ever really reach the potential of what I think he really should have if he was in a different venue besides the Denver Nuggets and being stuck there for as long as he was there. Well, the biggest thing he brings to your team if you decide to sign him is a heavy price tag. That's the number one yep. thing is, you know, be ready to dish out some money. You want Carmelo on your team, which is going to hurt, you know, that team to sign anybody else or try to, you know, just make the overall the team better. Uh, if you sign Carmelo, I mean, you're not going to – first of all, if you can afford him, uh, you won't be able to afford much after that. So that's the number one thing. The number two, you know, number two thing about Melo, Sonny, is that it's just somewhere along the way, maybe he just got bad advice from somebody uh, or whatever, but he became an extremely, over the years, an extremely selfish player and person. Yes. Because, you know, he, 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 like, he lost his way because that's not the Carmelo that I remember when he first got in the league. You know, he was, he was, he was a lot more of a team player than he – than he became in his career, so, um, and I don't, and I don't think that's that's just Carmelo making bad choice. I think people gave him bad advice over the years, in in how to handle the success that he had, being a you know top three pick in the NBA and and you know multiple All Stars and all that stuff. I just think he got some, he took some bad advice along the way, and and this is what has happened throughout his career. And it's too bad because he. I think you're right, Cuervo. I think I, I'm not going to put him on a LeBron level, but you know he would be up there, definitely top ten if he had quote unquote the right type of leadership leading him more so than if it was him taking the reins of his own career. It's self inflicted, or if he just mm-hmm. got the bad advice that you were talking about. Either way, it still ended up to where it is today, to where people look at Carmelo Anthony and go, "This guy's a punk," and and, and that it, it's self inflicted. Either way, if it's someone telling him to do something and him not standing up for what it is, or if it is him actually thinking the way that he is that put him in that position. Now, many years in Denver being the only option. You know, I can see how a guy can get the big head in the in reality because what else is in Denver? You know, you know. I think it was Nick Van Exel was the only thing that was there with him at one point. Take away from that, there's nothing mm-hmm. else there. So when you get that big of a head in that little town, you become a big fish in a little pond. But when you get thrown into an ocean such as New York. You're not the big fish anymore. You're the minnow, and that's what you get. It, that's what it ends up. And he he just got eaten alive over in New York, to where is now. And and this is just what I've been reading, Cuervo. You know, they're talking mm-hmm. because I think it's because the buyout's going to be so big that this guy could be gotten for the NBA minimum. And that's just what I've been reading. Now, I don't know if I'm reading it wrong or understanding it wrong, but they're actually talking about the league minimum. I'm not falling for that. He isn't going to do that regardless how many millions he gets on a buyout contract from Oklahoma City. It's going to be around the same one that they're talking about 
when they grabbed up uh, uh, Golden State when they got Boogie Cousins, you know, for five million. It'll be around you know four or five million dollars oh, that they're going to grab up for him. And not only that, the Boogie Cousins story is a is a pretty interesting story as well. As a lot of people yes, are is. saying, the NBA is in a big, big, big bad state, and I think you're one of them that agrees with that statement. Absolutely. Um, you know, at the same time, though, I mean, I've heard people's take on it, and it's kind of it's got me got me thinking a little bit, um, just in the fact that hey, look, everybody had the same opportunity to get them, and they didn't do it. So, what it's really about is Golden State's just better at what they do as far as selling their product of coming to their team and they have the hardware to uh to back it up. I mean you can't you can't sell somebody on on winning a championship when you've never won a championship. You know, bottom line. So if that's what Boogie Cousins is his motivation is, then he then Golden State was the obvious choice. I mean yeah. he turned down a much bigger offer in uh New Orleans to go play for the Warriors. So what that tells me is he's not really too big on the money. He's more about he wants to win a championship. Or maybe he just wants to salvage his name. I don't know. It could be multiple things, but that's that's the way I look at it. He's not he's not a money it wasn't a money grab for him. Uh he could have went and made triple the amount anywhere else that he's gonna be making in Golden State. I think he's just more about he wants to be considered, uh, uh, you know, a champion. And honestly, that's the that's the type of guy we've been begging for in yep. sports, not just in the NBA, not just in the NFL. We've been talking about having those type of guys in all of sports for how many years now? But 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 the NBA more than anyone because of these guys that uh, you know take all these these huge max contracts and. And whatnot. And so, to me, I, I I don't know. I just I just think that instead of being mad at Golden State and saying, oh, you know, it's not fair, and which it's not, but but really, we should be we should be praising, not praising, but we should be uh, uh, giving a lot of respect and props to Boogie Cousins for making that move. You know, and it proves that look, there's guys out there that still care about winning, you know, being considered a champion more than than uh, just taking the money. Um, the only issue with that, Sonny, is that he went he went to Golden State. And, and for a lot of people, that's going to just, you know, just like with Durant and those other – like it, it was a sellout move. Like he's a sellout. And, it's not a sellout you know, move. That, that guy is injured. The guy's not even going to play before the All-Star game. I mean, so, you know, it's not a sellout. It's more in the fact that – and here's another thing, Cuervo. We don't know how many people were on the phone with Boogie Cousins' agents to try to sign that guy. Could have been nobody because of the injury, and no one thought that the thing's smart enough like Golden State. Hey, if we offer this guy $5 million and we get him for a half year, we stole this guy. And that's what they're looking mm-hmm. at. You can say what I, that's the way I think it went down. By the way, Cuervo, no one was giving Boogie right. any look because he was injured, and they weren't expecting him back. And to throw that much 
stretch money out of Boogie Cousins for half a season, that kills a lot of payroll out there. Not for the Golden State Warriors, though. And not only that, they got them on the cheap. So, and it's a one-year deal. And guess what? They win the championship. Boogie Cousins got something that no one can take away from him, regardless if he played one game, 50 games, or whatever the case may be. He'll have a championship on his hands. Because right now, when you look at that roster on Golden State, even the Lakers, not, there's nobody who stands close right now to what the roster is sitting with the Golden State Warriors moving into this next season. Yeah, yeah, no, you're right. And I think the other thing, too, is I think the way Golden State sold to him was like, look, we're not going to pay a full a full year salary if you're not going to be with us for the full year. So that's probably why he's playing at a reduced cost to the Warriors because they're like, look, dude, if you're only going to play 40, 50 games, we're not going to pay you 12 million bucks. We'll pay you six. And he was just like, and you're probably going to get a ring after this year. I, yeah, I mean, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. I don't think you're maybe wrong. I'm wrong. I don't, I, I don't think you see that's the thing. I don't think you're wrong. I think you're I think you're spot on, not wrong. I think you're spot on. And and, and this and you think about it. I mean, you know, but is the 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 move such a horrible move for the NBA. Uh, should they? Should the NBA be considered a joke, or should? Or should the, and this is where I think it should fall on Cuervo. It's other teams that weren't smart enough to think about this. Someone dropped the ball. Sure. A G. There are some GMs right now that are answering to the reason why. Did we give Boogie Cousins a call at all? And there's GMs that no. are answering that okay. question right now. So, okay, so about that, Sonny, what I've heard and read about is that there are a lot of teams in the NBA, kind of like the Colin Kaepernick situation. Boogie Cousin is blacklisted on a lot of NBA franchises just that because could be true. of yep. – Yeah, no, and I've actually heard that that's the case just because of the fact of, you know, and I hate to use the term cancer because that's a real thing and – and people die every day from it, unfortunately. But th- he's a bad influence. It, it, yeah. Uh, and that's why a lot of teams don't want to mess with him because they feel like if, if we sign him, it's going to ruin the, the, uh, the, 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 the cohesion of our basketball team. And, and that teams don't want to risk that. My question is, which teams are those? Because if we're talking yeah. about a team like the Toronto Raptors, for example – Sonny, do you know how much of a difference that could make having yep. a Boogie Cousins on that team? Because here's Big the time. deal, and, and I know, and I know we haven't gotten into LeBron yet, and I know we will. But LeBron going to the Western Conference, guess who wins in that in that deal? The, the whole Eastern Conference, East, <laughs> the whole East, everyone in the East wins. Because it's now wide it's, open. Open. it's wide open to the NBA Finals for one team. Absolutely. So, with that being said, since that's the name of our show, why every team in the East did not pick up the phone and call Cousins' agent to say, we want him, we are interested in him, shame on them, to include my Chicago yep. Bulls. Yep. I agree. So, and, and, and listen, I'm not a fan of Boogie Cousins' 
First of all, if your first name is Boogie, even though it isn't, but it is, um, that's enough to turn me off. But then your actions, you know, you, you talk about it. Heck, even the same thing could be talked about. And Carmelo Anthony, you know, he's considered that cancer as well. And Tim even makes that point in a chat here. Uh, he's considered the, the that. That's what it kind of I was kind of moving into the circle. How much would the East or a team within the East, even outside the Knicks, obviously, um, would would gain help with a Carmelo Anthony, even though he is considered that cancer, even though he is considered the ego maniac, even if he is considered a guy that thinks his crap don't stink. If there's teams like the Hawks, I mean the Hawks have had so much potential over the years, Cuervo. You've heard me talk about it, and they just can't get over mm-hmm. the hump. I'm not saying that Carmelo Anthony or Boogie Cousins, it's more Boogie Cousins than Carmelo Anthony, that could have put them up to that next point to where they could get to the third round of the playoffs, the the, the conference championship. You know, they need something. I mean, could you imagine? And even to that point, Cuervo, you know, you know, even though they're you know they're not in the East, Oklahoma City missed on uh, Boogie Cousins. Okay, say whatever you want, even at midseason, you know no one cares about the first half of the season of the NBA. I'm sorry, they don't. I don't. I start paying attention after the All Star game, and that is where you need a guy, and that's when Boogie Cousins is supposed to be coming back. Um, and if he comes back midseason and it, and is 75% of what he was, that's going to help any team in the East. And But a team like Oklahoma City not grabbing up or maybe even making the call, that was a drop of the ball, especially if you're Oklahoma City realizing you don't just have to deal with Golden State. Now you have to – or that even to that point – uh, to Houston and the Spurs, now the Lakers, since now they're relevant, you say whatever you want, they're going to make the playoffs. LeBron won't let it happen. They're going to make the playoffs. So there's a lot more other things that uh, Oklahoma City, City needs to be done. One of them was to make that call to try to get the Boogie Cousins. But I think the anticipation mm-hmm. of what his salary was going to be, turned off the guys where they decided we didn't even make the call and then they then Golden State just throws five million at the guy and the guy picks it up great idea I mean but they were the only ones that I think really even gave it the shot then they have the pedigree of not one not two not three uh, you know championships right behind them well, no three championships behind them yeah uh, and you know I mean at the end of the day though Sonny in reality I think the uh, the well for okay well first of all, let me back up real quick. So the first thing that I think that Oklahoma City did right was resign Paul George. I think that had to happen uh, in order to keep them in the mix in the Western Conference. That absolutely had to happen, and it I did. agree. And, and, and I, I'll be honest, I'm a little surprised that uh, they didn't lose, especially after the LeBron signing. Actually, it was the night before, I think, he announced his resigning. That After that is when LeBron uh, announced that he was going to be signing with the Lakers. So uh, I'm not saying Paul George regrets it now, but, but kudos to Oklahoma City because I think they probably had a hunch that, you know, LeBron's decision was coming soon. So we need, we need to uh, 
we need to get him signed before something big happens and we lose him. So yep. I think Oklahoma Oklahoma City did that right. Now, as far as the mellow thing, I also think they're doing that right. It sucks that he had the option to opt in, and he did. Uh, but the fact that they're saying, like you said, hey, look, we know you opted in on your contract, but um, there's no more, there's no room for you on this bus anymore. So we're gonna find, we're gonna find a place to to send you. I think Oklahoma's doing, Oklahoma City's doing the right thing. I I really do because you have to move on from what's holding you back, and and that's why. Uh, I don't know, I'm, I'm jumping around here a little bit, Sonny, but now things are starting to kind of, you know, come up in my head. If you didn't know, Tony Parker actually signed with the, with the Charlotte Hornets. Um, he did. He's no longer San Antonio Spur. So what have I been saying years. about the Spurs this whole? What have I been saying about the Spurs this whole time? Tony Parker has been holding them back. Now that he's gone, depending on what happens with the Kawhi situation, if they can find a, a, a trading partner and they can get their, you know, twelve all stars and ten draft picks that they're asking for, and somebody actually is stupid enough to make that deal. Um, then I think San Antonio is going to be right back in, in, in the mix uh, of playing in the West too. Um, but if they don't, and I mean, I think the Spurs are going to be in big time trouble, but, but Tony Parker to me was, was an important thing to, to find, find somewhere else for him. I think he held them back. And now that he's gone, it, it makes room for, uh, for Patty Mills and, and whoever else is going to play point guard there. Um, and I think I think the Spurs are going to be able to uh, you know move forward. Quite well, all you got to do is look at the D League players that play for the San Antonio Spurs with uh, Manny Ginobili and Tony Parker still on that basketball team. And you think these guys should have a bad taste in their mouth, going, "What the hell is this guy still on that basketball team for?" You got young players that can definitely take over and be much better as far as being a production or role player than than Tony Parker or Monty Ginobili. And that this is the reason why. And and you know how I I, I love I love me some Greg Popovich, but Greg Popovich is the reason why this is being held back. Now, if they can pull off what they're trying to do with Kawhi Leonard. They they better make sure that they are able to get some guys that are ready to go for the West Square vote because let's be honest, you're not talking about the Spurs at the one two three four uh, position in the West. You're talking about five six seven or eight in reality. So mm-hmm. you need to be able to get someone to get you to that five six seven and eight. And when you've got those young bucks coming in with hardly any NBA experience, they can have G League or uh, D League experience all day long until you get with the big boys and get minutes and rack those minutes up, you're not ready for them. And that's what the West is. So what in reality is with LeBron going to the West also opened up so many avenues for young athletes to actually get an opportunity to play on the NBA level because uh, what were the East trying to do? The East were trying to figure out what they were going to do to try to go up against LeBron. It has changed the whole scope of what the Eastern Conference is in the NBA with LeBron James doing what he's doing and all these moves that whether it's the Spurs, whether it's the Golden State Warriors or anybody in the West are making, it's almost what it, it reminds me of, Cuervo, is if you go back into the day of the OB- ABA compared to the NBA. 
Okay, you have two, it's almost like two separate leagues in reality that will cross paths uh, through the season. Um, but winning the ABA championship, a la the East, you know that's as far as you're going to go. Listen, there's I I I, I don't want to spot off like I'm the smartest guy in the world because it's not the stupidest statement. Everybody's going to say it. The championship will be won by the West. Okay. The question is, is how much? Yeah. The the question is, is is that going to be enough for the team over there, Cuervo? Because the simple fact of the matter is, is is if you have an ABA championship, a la the Eastern Conference championship, what does that mean really in reality for your franchise? It really means there's nothing in reality because you haven't Mm -hmm. won the whole thing and you're not able to bring it home. Like you said, the Ted Koppel, the biggest question of it all is when will the next time the East have an an obvious or at least a, a, a snowball chance in hell of competing against the West? It will be when the next baby LeBron comes along and one of the teams in the East can nab him up and overpay him for a while and then. But that's a couple years down the road. But Cuervo, do you know this? I just looked this up. You know LeBron James has been in the NBA for 15 years, Cuervo. Yep, he has. 15 years. Now, let's look at this. Tony Parker was with the Spurs for 17 years, and he just moved on. And what do we think of Tony Parker? What did we think of Tony Parker two years ago at 15 years? Losing a step. The question will be over in the West and for the Lakers is how soon will that come from LeBron? That is the reason why they got to surround him with those young bucks that can do it because LeBron James playing 45 minutes a game cannot happen in L.A. if they expect him to go to the championship. And that's why I think making that trade for Kawhi Leonard uh, would be the dumbest thing that Magic Johnson has done as, as the GM or whatever team president of the, of the Lakers. Uh, him making that trade for Kawhi, because here's the thing, Sonny, in case you haven't heard, do you, do you know what San Antonio was asking for? In exchange I, for Kawhi I, Leonard, do you realize how it, much they're I, asking I, for? I heard it, Cuervo, and I was like, it's ridiculous. there's not a snowball chance they're going to get what they want for him. Go over the package of what they want. Because I stopped listening because it was ludicrous after number two. Yeah. Do you have that? What do you they, have that in front of you? What, what are they asking oh, for? Oh, no, I, I forget. I, I, I've memorized it. That's how bad it is. <laughs> they Okay, so so – and this is just strictly between the, the, the Lakers and the Spurs. This, you know, Spurs are asking, are you ready for this, Sonny? The Spurs are asking for Brandon Ingram, Kyle Kuzma, who should have been more considered more for rookie of the year. Um, yes. Josh Hart, which I'm not sure who he is exactly, but he must be a pretty good player if the Spurs are asking for him. And two, not one, not one, but two first-round draft picks. Yeah. All in exchange for just Kawhi. Now, if that was LeBron, it might be it might be a, a great deal for somebody. Uh, and and Kawhi Leonard, as good as he is, he's not worth that. 
because you just you, what you did is you just sold your franchise for the next five to six years and not getting anybody unless you get lucky in the D league and get a guy that you can pull over and 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 kind of maybe mold. But again, we're talking about the D yeah. league compared to the NBA. And I hey, Sonny loves the D D league or the G league as they call it now. I love it. I love watching them, and I think these guys got the talent. Mm-hmm. But these are East. But everybody in the D League are East Coast players. Okay, they're not West Coast players. It, it's like the difference between the the Triple A. See, see, the the majors in basketball is the Western Conference. Okay, Triple A mm-hmm. is the is the Eastern Conference now since you lost LeBron. That's what it boils down <laughs> to. And then the G League, the whole G League. It is is uh, it is double A ball, all right. So the the simple fact of the matter is is that the landscape of the NBA is completely changed, and the money's I see, and I question the money. Everybody, and I've been listening to to sports talk all week, Cuervo, the last two weeks. Okay, and all I'm hearing is you can't argue with the money. Yeah, you can, because when nobody in the East is making money and all the money's being made in the West, okay. All right, you can argue the money because if you take all the money that you get in the West and you share it with these, it makes it look like the product is huge. But it's not. The The product is the West. And Cuervo, if you remember, we're not even more than five years ago, we were talking exactly the opposite as far as the East being the, being the A-ball uh, or the, uh, the major leagues and the West being the, that. How soon, five years, Cuervo, I remember it like it was yesterday. We were talking about what did the West have to do in order to get competitive to come close to the East? Well, guess what? Not only did they do it, they did it better than what the East was even trying to maintain. They couldn't maintain it because of money, friendship, and the lack of the uh, competition between players that they'll just go play with LeBron. Or, or play with their friends. And, and, and that's what, me, that's what I think is killing the NBA. What I think is killing the NBA is lack of competitive stones from players in the NBA. Now, can you blame them? There's a lot of money involved with it, and I get it. But as far as a product is concerned, I want to see more of the guys that have testicular uh, fortitude to go up against the best instead of just playing with them. Oh, you're not getting that anymore. You're not getting that from this generation of players, Sonny. It's just not going to happen. They'd rather it, they'd rather team up and, you know, oh, let's be boys and blah, blah, blah. And, and that's why the NBA, it's, 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 it's like street ball now. It's almost like street yep. ball, but with, with referees and uniforms. Because oh, that was terrible. Crazy knucklehead of terrible. Was it a terrible analogy? Okay, I'll try again. But No, no, uh, the NBA is terrible. The NBA it, it really is. It, it, it's Cuervo, two years ago, remember two, three, two to three years ago when I said the NBA is hard to watch, it's almost unwatchable? And I was on that bandwagon, uh, you know, it, it, big time. 
And now, you know, I watched this year. I knew this was going to be a big year because I was listening to talk radio and how player movements were going to happen and how it was going to affect the NBA. And they were talking about this stuff two years ago, Cuervo. And now Mm -hmm. it has come to a fruition and how everybody is looking at it and the ones that were being considered, oh, the NBA is going to be a horrible product and everything else are going to be the ones that are going to end up right because – when you talk NBA money, you talk all 32 teams. You don't all, you don't just talk, you know, half of the teams that are in the NBA. It just doesn't happen that way. It talks about it circus because I've got news for you. And and whether you see, and this all just depends on what you think about the NBA, okay? But the simple fact of the matter is, is when you come down and you look at the NBA as a whole. Okay, it's it's so lopsided that it's not even close. It's actually an embarrassment, and that's how bad that it is. Because the only team that we're really talking about out of the East is Boston. There, there's more than one team that right plays now, in yeah. the East, Cuervo. There's only one team. There's more than one team that plays in the East. Maybe Toronto, but they have they've got to definitely get a big, big, big cog in order for that to work right. But you, you get what mm-hmm. I'm saying. You know, there's there's two teams that were even giving viable options, and I don't even give them a snowball chance in the hell in the first round against any team in the West. Um, So that's – and now, what are they talking about now in the NBA Cuervo? They're thinking about going to a a 1-2 – what is it? A uh, 1-18, 1-16 method more so than the conferences – because yeah. even the NBA recognizes how pathetic the East looks. Well, I think with with LeBron moving to the West, I think it makes all the sense in the world now. Yeah. Just because you know it's more uh, you're gonna get more of a mixture, I guess. Uh, but and, and but in reality, I guess does it really matter? I mean, the West is so much stronger. They're so much stronger than the East that it's just going to wind up being what are, I mean at the end of the day I guess you know I guess the good in it actually it's really good is that you're probably going to have two western conference teams playing in the NBA finals against I agree. each other that, what, whether because it's that's be where the talent Golden is. State yeah, and but so how I many years will it be? How many years will it be where the Eastern Conference gets swept or out of the first round of the playoffs? You know, how many years will the NBA put up with that kind of thing before they rethink it? You know, because there's, you, you know, because Cuervo, let's be honest, you, you you put the top eight of the West against the top eight of the East, you'll be lucky to get mm-hmm. any of the teams out of the East. To move to the second round, and if it's it, it's not going to be. It, it's going to be more, no more than two teams that would be able to progress to the second, uh, second level of the playoffs in the NBA out of the East. And I don't know if that's a good thing. So we can argue it back and forth. You know, the NBA is going to do what the what the money is going to tell them to do more so than what's best for the game, and that might be the problem as well. Yeah, I mean, and, and I, I think it's just. You know, the, at this point, the NBA, they get what they get when it comes to money. Like, you get what you get. Like, there's, there's nothing you can do. Right. There's, well, what are you going to do? What are you going to do about it? There's nothing you can do I, about it I can't it at blame this point. them. I, see, and this is the problem, Cuervo. I can't blame them. 
you, you listen in business. You do what makes your makes your money. Now, if you have to take a hit on the east in order to make the money on the west and, and share it as a whole, as the NBA, you know, and how you're – it's almost like a big corporation. You have five different divisions within the corporation. Two of them really, really lax, but the other three make up for the whole company. That's what you're getting with the NBA now, and I don't know if that's a good, bad, or different, you know, but that I think in reality is not going to help the NBA. So that's where I, I'm kind of looking at that mm-hmm. as a whole, anyway, as a whole, you know, you, you have to have all your conferences playing together and playing well. And the the fact of the matter is, is that there's gotta be a way to move these players around and say, and, and this goes back to the fact that the commissioner, uh, David Stern this goes back to one thing: is when they blocked that Laker trade, Cuervo, a couple of years back. Yeah, this, yep. this is, That's this, what I was just this about is to bring the up. product of that. This is the well, they, product well, of that. Well, well, here's the thing: so they were willing to reject that trade. Well, it was a trade, right? I mean, I guess you can't. Yeah, it was a trade. If if someone's a free agent and they want to sign with a certain team, I guess there's not much you can do about it. But yeah, um, I mean. There's, there's got to be some way to control the parity in, in, in the NBA, Sonny, because it's just not happening right now. Yeah, uh, and, 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 and it's, it's lopsided big time. It's really horrible. I mean, it's about the East. Is there any team – there's two teams, Toronto and, and Boston, are really the only options over in the East, unless I'm missing something that I'm just I'm, – I'm completely off in left field. Um, there's only team, two teams in the East that can compare to the top six to eight teams in the NBA uh, over in the West. Well, no, no, you're right. I mean, Toronto, Toronto and Boston. Um, I, I'll be honest. I couldn't even tell you who the number three seed was um, because of that, it's that bad. I mean, I, I guess maybe what Indiana. Um, I know they've got it. They've got mm. an okay team. The team's all right, but it's not. They're not going to be able to handle anything that's out west. Uh, the eighth seed in the west would be Philadelphia, maybe. I guess uh, that's one we probably missed mm. because they're that young talent yeah. no, and everything so, everybody's talking so, about. But yeah, so the Sixers man. are going to be the the team in in the East, in my opinion. They're, they're going to be the team to beat for the next five, ten years. And, and if they can get past Boston Cuervo, because I think Toronto, would, I, I'll put it out there and I'll just say whatever, you know, and I know I'll be wrong. Toronto was a one trick pony. I don't expect to see them anywhere near, uh, anywhere near playing for a championship. I just think they're a one trick pony and they're one injury mm-hmm. away from being uh, not the number one seed, but the number nine seed out of the playoffs. I think they're one player away from it. Boston and Philadelphia, on the other hand, those are the two teams that I think can. Did. I'm I'm just very skeptical of what the Toronto Raptors bring as a basketball team. Now, granted, they were 59 and 23. Okay, but remember, we were bragging about the uh, uh, Mavericks winning 50 games for more than 13 years in a row. Okay, so the the 59 doesn't impress me. Okay, in reality, when you look on the other side, when you got Houston winning 65, Golden State. Uh, and a low year. They lost 24 games. I mean, call, it, no wonder they had to call Boogie Cousins. They, they lost 24 games this year. Okay. So, and, and then. Yeah, sound the, the alarm. 
Yeah, sound the alarm big time. But look, but you look at the West, okay? But but before with the Lakers, because the Lakers are going to be there, okay? If anybody does not think that the Lakers are going to be in the playoffs, they, they just don't know the impact of what LeBron will do for a basketball team in the positive that he can bring, which is he'll get your mm-hmm. team to the playoffs. Now, whether or not they get out of the first round, that could be the biggest story of them all, but they're going to get there. So Houston, Golden State, and uh, the Lakers are there. After that, you still got to put Oklahoma City there. Portland, if they don't lose Damian Lillard, which by the way they might lose him, that might that will that will put Portland back at number ten and eleven. But where he ends up going is going to be the big story. I'm hearing the Clippers want him, and if that happens, Cuervo, then you can move the Clippers up into the top eight over in the Western Conference. So. There are a lot of things that can end up happening in the West that, is, that are going to just completely demolish the East out of being in contention because you're looking at, I'm looking at the top eight this year with Toronto, Boston, and uh, Philadelphia. You've got to forget Cleveland. They're going to fall off the map. They're, they're going to be non-existent. Then you've got Indiana, Miami, Milwaukee, and Washington. That was the top eight over mm-hmm. in the Eastern Conference this year, Cuervo. And, uh, you know, right. from five, six, seven, and eight, those guys are going to drop off because they're going to lose players as well. So, you, you know, the top three are the only ones that are going to come close. I think Toronto are – they they are just the, the biggest imposters of the NBA. I I just believe it. I just you know, they they may they may have done great in the Eastern Conference. They were forty and twelve, but I'm going to tell you right now, outside of their conference, they 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 needed a lot of help. Okay, so you know I I don't know that that whole thing on the NBA. It's going to be an interesting year next year. However, it works out whether what they're going to do for playoffs and where guys will finally end up, and we'll be talking about that for the next three or four weeks. Yeah, uh, I, I think it's going to be quiet for a little while. Uh, we probably won't hear much until probably August, you know, first week of August, something like that. Because, I mean, right now you got the summer league going on, and some of the focus might be on that. And, yeah, and it should there be is. on that, you know. You, and, and you know, boy, I'm sh- watching it too, Cuervo. There's only been two two games from each team, and uh, I, I've watched the, the, the all, all teams have played two or one game. Okay, and in the summer mm-hmm. league, Cuervo, I've lo- I've watched nine basketball games of the summer league. Okay, that's how that it, it helps that Jeffrey Carroll, my guy right here in Rowlett is playing for the Lakers. We're in number 30, by the way, just in case anybody didn't know. Uh, and he put it, he got on the highlight reel with the slam because uh, he didn't get very many minutes in that game. He will. Um, but, I mean, I'm watching big time the summer league. That's it. This one's in Vegas, if I'm not mistaken. So, um, I, yeah. I'm really excited about what's going on in the, in the NBA on the lower levels. Cuervo, this goes back to my love of minor league sports. I, I, you know, I, if I'm going to pay money for a ticket, I'm going to go see the young cats in the in the minor leagues more so than fork over the money for what we're going to get with the NBA. It's just all too predictable. No, it, it is, it is, and it, you know there there's a uh, you know there's a lot of to be, I guess uh, a lot of interest if uh, like yourself, you know, who has who's invested in a player, uh, that's yeah. something that you definitely, you know, that's, I know that's why you're watching. You want to see how he's doing and whatnot. Um, but like what I was saying earlier, Sonny, is that, you know, there's teams out there that 
you know, are probably focused on that more than they are signing free agents and stuff and whatnot. And I'm not saying that they're not working that angle, but, uh, but I think if, if, if you're a well-run basketball organization, you're looking at what you have on the floor, not what you could potentially have on the floor. And that's, that's where the focus should be is what you have, not what you don't have. Absolutely. So, you know, lots of good stuff in the NBA. We got to take our, our second break. We got another break after that that we got to do. So this is a good time to do it. We're going to do that. We're going to step away when we come back last hour. We're going to pop all in uh, all NFL because there's some great stories out in the, in the NFL this weekend. So we'll do that. We're going to take that quick break here on the Couch Potato Sports Show. You're listening to that being said. Our Sunday morning tradition continues here on the Couch Potato Sports Show. We'll be right back. At the Jerry Bullet Training Center, we truly believe experience is the best teacher. With over 50 combined years of knowledge and experience in sports performance and athletic training, our coaches understand exactly what it takes to achieve your goals and excel at the next level. Contact Melvin Bullet at 214-326-7853 or visit their brand new facility just outside of Waterview at 8900 Princeton Road in Rowlett. In 1998, Scooter's Coffee was born. Co-founders Don and Linda Eccles began their amazing journey when they opened up their first drive through coffee house in Bellevue, Nebraska. Their motto is, amazing people serving amazing drinks amazingly fast. Scooter's only roast from the top 10% specialty coffee beans in the world. And their specialty, the Caramelicious. If you're new to Scooter's, you can't go wrong with ordering this rich velvety caramel gem. So make sure you check out Scooter's Coffee, located at Rowlett Road in the 66 with a convenient drive-thru so you can get onto your business real quick. That's Scooter's Coffee, located in Rowlett. Selling your home could be the single most important decision you make in your life. You need someone with the experience and know-how to help you through this decision. Brian Chadwick of JP and Associate Realtors has you covered. Knowing the specifics of the Rowlett and Rockwall area is his specialty. Contact Brian at 972-533-9059 or visit him on the web at brianchadwick.jphomesforsale.com. That's Brian with a Y, not Nye Chadwick, dot jphomesforsale.com. At Chang Lee Saekwondo, learn the art of self-defense, discipline, respect, physical development, and mental focus. Become the best that you can be. At Chang Lee Saekwondo, we offer an after-school program, fitness kickboxing, birthday parties, summer camp, and homeschool classes. Check out our one-year anniversary special. Two weeks in a free uniform for $19.99. That's right, $19.99 gets you two weeks and the free uniform. Check out Chang Lee's at 469-506-4483 or visit them on the web at mychanglees.com. 
This is Sonny Clark, radio voice of your Rowlett Eagles, letting you know about the Mitchell Law Firm. Looking for a bankruptcy attorney in Rowlett? Talk directly to your bankruptcy attorney, not their paralegal. Get a personal touch directly from Greg Mitchell. The Mitchell Law Firm handles a wide variety of bankruptcy-related matters, including litigation arising out of bankruptcy matters in state as well as federal court. We represent both individual and small business debtors in Chapter 7, Chapter 11, and Chapter 13 bankruptcies. For more information, come in contact with Greg Mitchell at 972-463-8417. That's 972-463-8417. Or visit him on the web at www.mitchellps.com. Are you in need of an electrician in the Rowlett, Rockwall, or Saxe area? What kind of electrical work needs to be done, residential, business, or industrial? Contact Alan Bauer Electric for all of your electrical needs. It's important to have a qualified licensed electrician taking care of any electrical problems you may be having, so your loved one or customers are safe. We have built our business on quality for a fair price and good customer service, but of course... Give Alan Bauer Electric a call at 214-356-0197 and tell him Sonny sent you. Alan Bauer Electric, proud sponsor of the Rowlett Eagles radio broadcast. Here on the Couch Potato Sports Show, our three-hour extravaganza moves on. Don't forget my locals on August 31st, the eagle-eyed Bill Cerna and myself, Sonny Clark, the hardest-working man in sports radio, will be back in the booth as your eagles are going to take on Boyd and that game. Happens in McKinney Friday, August 31st, 7 o'clock kickoff. But, but, the Eagle Eye and myself will be doing a preseason show. We haven't picked the spot yet, but that's going to happen the week before that. So when you go back into your. into your uh, calendar. Go back seven days. We're going to be somewhere. We're going to be kicking off the season with a preseason game as we'll look at the 2018-2019 Rowlett Eagles varsity football team and where they think they are. They got a tough schedule this year. They play Boyd. That's a good football team. Then they play Rockwall. That is the -the over-the-bridge rivalry. That is always a great game. Then in Plano, they take on the Wildcats, and then they start district play in week number four against the Neyman Forest Rangers. So the first four games right there will take you mid-September. We'll be bringing you all the action here on the Couch Potato Sports Show with our coverage of the Rowlett Eagles varsity football team. Excited getting ready for that as we get going. That having been said, of course, that's the name of the show, we get back into it because we're going to hit into the NFL. Some great, not great news, but big news going on in the NFL that we're going to talk about. And 
you can talk about a lot of things as far as players are concerned. You can talk about even coaches, Cuervo, but the Arizona Cardinals, this is really not a story they really want to have out there, and that is the fact that their general manager, Steve Kim, uh, is out there, unfortunately, drinking and driving. Uh, so forget the players. You usually have the spotlight on players in the offseason doing something stupid. Now you get the GM of the Arizona Cardinals putting himself, you know, in yeah, – let's face it, Cuervo, a GM that gets this happening to him, his job's on the line right now, um, regardless, uh, you know, what's going to happen this season. He, he if, And Lord forbid the Arizona Cardinals get off to a rough start – this could be one of the things that makes the decision a little bit easier if they make a change in Arizona at the general manager position. Well, and I think it all, it's all going to depend on how well the, the Cardinals do. So I mean, we all know how that goes because here's the thing. Now, if the Cardinals have a bad season, they have somebody to blame. There's a scapegoat yep. now. They can always yep. say, hey, look, you know, we, we've had a little dysfunction in our front office with our GM drinking and driving, doing doing whatever he wants, and you know, just being crazy. Um, but we're we're cleaning it up. We're cleaning it up, and and we're gonna fix it. Yep. And that's, it that's what the they're GM. gonna. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, let's, let's not, not the let's fact not, I uh, don't have a quarterback. Not the fact my <laughs> offensive line looks like a freaking jigsaw puzzle. Not because the secondary of the Arizona Cardinals is considered. Oh my God, it's so bad. No, it will be the DUI that happened right now. Again, we don't set this up. If Cuervo went exactly where I was going with it, the Arizona Cardinals get the the actual scapegoat, the reason why they're going to suck, because I've been looking at – Cuervo, I've been looking at the personnel. I've been looking, you know, to get ready for our shows that will be kicking off when we start doing the, the, um, the divisions and who we think is going to win. And right now, Cuervo, San Francisco looks better. The Rams look better. The only team that doesn't maybe look better is Seattle because they're falling apart defensively. They might get lit up quite a bit. But something tells me that the Seahawks will be better than the Arizona Cardinals. And my question is, is a bad season like this for the Arizona Cardinals, what does that do with Larry Fitzgerald's uh, future? Either A, retirement, or B, maybe you'll get your wish, Cuervo, and he'll end up over in New England. And that has been a wish for you for five years. And I'm still, I'm still buying it, by the way, just so that you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I haven't thought about that one lately, actually. But, uh, but I, I mean, if, if things continue to go the way they do, um, it's just like any other veteran, you know, when, when, when they're about to be done in their career, like they're going to go to the place that they can go get a ring. And that if that's New England – then that's what Larry Fitzgerald's going to do. But, uh, you know, as, as far as, uh, you know, just the situation overall in the NFC West, by the oh. way, um, you know, uh, I, I really got to uh, – whenever whenever we get to it, Sonny, I've got some thoughts on uh, my favorite Seahawk, believe it or not, Cam Chancellor, who just announced yes. his retirement. But, uh, but uh, I know you probably thought it was Richard Sherman, but it's actually not. Cam Chancellor no, Cam, is. So. Cam Chan- and by the way, and just so that you know, Cuervo, you know, 
as far as that is concerned and where that is heading for the Seattle Seahawks, I had that set all to talk up, and you messed up the promo that I was going to bring in, you know, on Ted Koppel. Thank you very much. Just so that you know. <laughs> because Funny, everybody knows, though. Yeah, but that just happened like yesterday, didn't it, Cuervo? So, yes. It, no. It, you know, it, the, the retirement was yesterday, this is a right? Few, well, I, I don't know if he made like a speech or anything, but he announced it on social media. I'd say I think it was either on the 4th or right after the 4th. It was one of the two. But it's been a few days now. It's been a few wow, days since he, he mentioned it. I'm a daylight dollar short, Cuervo. It's the way it always works out. So, you know, there you go. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good, Sonny. But I, I, hey, look, I didn't mean to mess it up for you. Next time you should just message me, like, stop. Just stop what you're saying right now. And I'll be like, okay. So. <laughs> but I, I did not know. I, I have to admit, I didn't know uh, because some other news has been coming. So I didn't know that he had actually formally announced his retirement because one of those things, yeah, it was. It was on July 1st, Thanks, Square Vault. Phew, whoo, way over the head. This was on, well, I probably would have seen it when I was looking at the news prepping for uh, this uh, for last week's show. I probably would have ran across it. So, uh, yeah, he mm-hmm. retires. By the way, that having been said, of course, that's the name of this show. When you lose a Cam Chancellor and you're the Seattle Seahawks, I mean, you're talking about a defense that is going to have to be retooled, rebuilt, refigured, redesigned, re, re, you know, new blueprints, man, because that defense right mm-hmm. now, especially the secondary, oh, my gosh, and you got the Rams that are going to be throwing the football and the San Francisco 49ers that are going to be throwing the football on you all day long. you got two teams just within your division that could light you up big time and put big, big uh, points on the board. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's definitely going to be a lot different look um, in Seattle, just just based on the, the simple fact that you know it's not even about Sherman. I mean, my God, they lost. They lost to me. I thought that was the leader of that defense. Might not have been vocally, but I think internally, I think I think Cam was the guy that held it together for Seattle. Um, but I've, I've just always been a big Cam Chancellor fan. Um, he, uh, and you know, he, he's, he's a, he's a good person too. You know, he's, uh, he's done a lot for the, for the Seattle community. Uh, a lot of people don't know about it unless you follow him on whether it's Instagram or Twitter or whatever the case may be. He goes around and does a lot for the local community up there in Seattle. So it's just good player, good person on and off the field. So, and I love the way he yeah. plays the game. That that's that's what that's what attracted me to Cam the most was just the way the way he plays the position. Uh, I mean, you can't you can't deny the talent. I mean, the talent was definitely there. But at the end of the day, Sonny, look, you know, as much as, much as guys love the game of football, um, health is more is the most important thing. You know, your health is more important than anything else. Uh, you know, I mean, he's got. I'm sure he has family that cares for him. I don't know if he's married or whatever, but um, you know, because if I'm not mistaken, I think he any more neck injuries would have caused some serious damage to to him. And 
you know, the fact that he just decided he's not going to play no more, I don't blame him one bit. I think I think he made the right choice. Oh, t- well, well, listen to this. Todd, Todd Mintz, a regular listener to the show, he says he can't help think that Chancellor quit because he saw all of his friends were gone and the team was headed for the toilet. And then I'll add up on top of that, and why isn't anybody trying to pick this guy up? And if they are, why are it, you know, how much money would that guy have been worth at the same time, Cuervo? To me, I think that guy, like you said, you know, there's something to be said about uh, mental giants. And mental giants aren't always vocal. And that that part I agree with you on where Cam Chancellor's game is in reality because that's what kind of guy he is. You never really heard him flying off the – off the wall, like, you know, Richard Sherman and the others uh, in there. This was the guy, I think you were right. He was the glue that kind of held the team together on the defensive side of the ball before, I mean, it was outrageous, but but before it could get really, really, really completely nuts. So, um, but but one of the big stories right here, just here in Dallas Cuervo, was really simple. The Dallas Cowboys should have been going after the Cam Chancellor. And the, the, I don't know mm-hmm. if the money wasn't right or why that, but, but why he wouldn't want to play for the Dallas Cowboys is the big question. Um, uh, you know, or is he really physically done with it, mentally done with it, or will he be one of those guys that in midseason they'll forget about Cam Chancellor and then teams that are heading near or have a good playoff run will pick up the phone and call Cam and say, hey, come on, Cam, one more time. Let's try this. And there you go. And, and so I'm wondering, and I'm wondering if that's what's going to end up happening with him because I hear the retirement. And I hear that. And by the way, that was in the mix. I was hearing retirement. I didn't hear that he officially did it. But before I knew that he officially did a Cuervo, I, I would have said, no, that guy's going to be playing. He's going to be playing. And he's probably going to be playing Dallas, if not someplace else. So um, the no, fact that that's... he retired completely shocks me. Yeah, and you know, and, and and I get the conspiracies and and uh, about uh, you know maybe that's not the reason why he retired was because of his health. The fact that no other team is interested, or or at least doesn't show interest, we haven't heard about in uh, signing him. That right there, that tells you that that this it's it's a real thing. Like, I don't think that's something you should hide. I mean, if if it was about the whole dysfunctional thing in Seattle and whatnot, he could have used any other reason. He could have said any other reason why, uh, you know, he decided he he's not going to play in Seattle no more. Uh, it could just been a simple look. Look, I'm going to explore other opportunities. Hey, thanks Seattle for everything, but uh, you know, I want to move in a different direction now at this point in my career. He could have easily just said that, and then everybody Absolutely. would be like, okay, cool, moving in another direction, no big deal, right? Well, something you don't you don't use a crutch as to why you're trying to go to another team is your health. You don't use your health right. as a reason to go to another team. That's why I think the reason for you know the, the, the whole thing about he's retiring because of his health. I think that's absolutely 100% legit, and I think it's real. Um, yes, you know, with the with the physical type of player that Cam Chancellor was. It doesn't surprise me that he has, you know, types of, uh, you know, that he's had these types of injuries and he's going through these things, you know, because if you go back and you look at all the hard hitters of of, of, the, of the past, 
you know, guys like a Lawrence Taylor. I mean, we haven't heard anything about Ray Lewis yet, but I'm sure, you know, as the years go on, we may hear about his his health declining or and, and whatnot. Uh, I mean, unfortunately, look at what happened to a guy like a Junior Seau, who was known as a big hitter. Like, those types of guys, they eventually, you know, start having those issues, and it becomes a very serious thing. And I think Cam did the smart thing and said, look, I I don't want to go down that path. And before it winds up going down that path, I'm going to, I'm cutting for a short. Look, I, you know, I've I've been to two Super Bowls. I have a ring. I had a a successful career. I've made plenty of money. My family's taken care of. What else do I have to prove? There's really nothing else to prove uh, if you're Cam Chancellor. So him retiring, uh, uh, at this point in his life, I mean, we've seen guys retire after their first year because they were worried about their health. Cam Chancellor yeah. stuck with it for eight or nine years. So yeah. to me, I think that's, that's pretty successful. And, and, I, and I don't think there's any smoke behind any of what he's saying. I think it's 100% legit. I don't. I think he's going to be on a football team at, near the deadline, and he's going to be on a contending team at that time. And I, I just uh, the sincerity or whatever the case may be regarding th- this uh, retirement. Granted, I didn't hear it, but something tells me that this is the guy. I think he was going to sign here in Dallas, but I think a couple of things. The the and, and you know who who really kind of made this a great thing for football players to do. And everybody should thank Tom Brady. And I'm going to tell you the reason why. You get a four game suspension. You come back from that suspension. You know, four games, that is a quarter of your season. And you didn't take mm-hmm. any hits, didn't take anything. Jim Zai has a great season. Chancellor has an opportunity to extend that even further, and he's going to bring home millions regardless for a half season or not. So that's, you know, this this idea that maybe he's retired, I don't. I'm still not buying it. I'm not going to go for it. I'm going to say this guy is a free agent right now. And if the right offer comes from the right football team, a la New England, a la Pittsburgh, a la whoever's going to be the big side on the other side for the uh, NFC, you never know who that might be, um, you know, maybe we will see him again. Because I agree with you, Cuervo. If this was more about his health, um, this would have happened years ago. It's not, I, I, you know, so I'm not, it's not the fact that I'm not falling for it. It's just more in the fact that I just, I just don't believe that he, I, I think he wants to play, but I think he wants to play on a team that would be considered a contender and then he can take to a Super Bowl and then retire after that. That's the way I kind of look at where that is. You know, when, when guys are retiring, and I'll, Todd's just going right where I was going. I just got this way. It's all about the timing on what can happen and what the financial gain will be at the time when it happens. Um, so not only that, Cuervo, he doesn't have to go through the, the, rigor, uh, you know, the rigor of uh, training camp. Uh, you know, training camp and, and preseason games where people could lose their injury. That part, I believe, about injury – 
You don't want to lose your whole year in a preseason game. Cuervo, mm-hmm. I don't know what the high, you know, what the high low is on uh, the number of guys that will lose their season in a preseason game. I put it at nine. Okay, because there's too many games, and I think there are going to be nine guys that will lose their lose the season to a season ending injury. That it might be higher than nine, but I'll put it out there as nine, and I'd be willing to go over the nine of guys that will get hurt and not be able to play for the whole year. So and so, I think there are a lot of things that could be thought of about Cam Chancellor on what he's doing and why he's going to do it, but how he named it the retirement. Uh, yeah, I, I'm just I'm not there yet, and and I I mean, Cuervo, he's what he you can consider Cam Chancellor top five at his position, right? I mean, really think about it. I mean, I'm trying to top trying three. to go through my brain. Yeah, you know, I, and I said five just because I mean, if you're top five in anything, you got my respect. So you know, so this guy's still on the top of the world, and he still has the skills. He still can play the game. I think he wants to play for a specific team, and that specific team I think has to be a contender, and he wants to make sure he gets to the contender. Because I'm going to tell you right now, I thought this guy was going to sign right here in Dallas. I really did. The big story was you getting Cam Chancellor down here, but if the receiving core as bad as it is here in Dallas proves to be as bad as everybody seems to think it, they're not going to score, so they're not going to win. They're not going to make it too far in the playoffs. He didn't want to end up here in Dallas. So with him retirement, it still leaves the door open for someone to pick up the phone and do a boogie cousins on him. But this time, this guy's healthy more so than the guy's hurt. So this is how it's going to work for him. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, you I, think he's I, done, Cuervo? Seriously, you think he's I done do. for the – I do. I, I believe everything he's saying. I'm look. I mean, call me, call me. You know, uh, uh, what's naive. the word I'm looking for? Gullible. Call me gullible. Gullible, you want naive. To. But uh, yeah, but but I mean, and, and normally I'll let you know, Sonny, if if I think somebody's blown smoke. I don't think Cam Chancellor's blown any smoke. I think, I think his his concerns about his health are real, and. I mean, I don't, I don't blame him. I don't think it's about money. I don't think it's about playing for another team. I don't think it's about any of that stuff. And, by the way, Earl Thomas is the one that's been trying to get in Dallas and, and uh, why he hasn't signed with them yet or why that hasn't happened yet, I have no idea. Because if they're going to tear the team down, I mean, tear it all down. Like, like yeah. let Sherman go. Um, you know, Bobby Wagner is going to be the last the last standing uh, from those great Seahawks defenses. And – they, uh, they're, not gonna let him go, Cuervo. they're not going to let him go. He, he'll go on his own accord, but I think he's under contract for the next two years. That guy ain't going nowhere. And if he does go somewhere, someone better offer a package because he ain't going well, anywhere. Can't, uh, uh, he, that's, he ain't going to wear that. He's not. Now, now, this one, this one, I think, you know, I think that, uh, you know, Earl Thomas is going to stand his ground and, and, uh, I don't think he's gonna he's gonna don the Seattle Seahawks uniform ever again. So and that, if he that, tries to, you know, if if he does try to say like, oh, you know, I love being in Seattle, that one I will say is BS because I don't I don't believe that one. I think neither. He like, <laughs> he's he's begging to get out of Seattle, and honestly, I think Seattle should be trying to open work something to up. <laughs> you yeah, exactly. They got to be open to it because. 
you can't just let that guy walk away. I mean, there's so much value with Earl Thomas. You're talking about, again, another guy that's top five at his position in the NFL right now. And to let him let him walk next year when he's a free agent. I mean, the Seahawks would be stupid to do that. They they have to get something for him in return. And the, and the problem with the NFL, and you know, you can't go into the season because let, let's just say, Lord forbid, the guy gets hurt. Then then they will let him walk. So what's actually best, at least in my thinking, is is that Wagner's going to stay in Seattle. You better get that before he gets to training camp and more into. Uh, they're kind of in, they're in training camp now, but before they get into these preseason games, square ball because one one wrong hit and you can lose you can lose a guy that's supposed to be your cornerstone or lose the guy that has the value that can help you gain what you need in order to be a viable option in your own division. And, and notice how I say in your own division. I don't even say within their conferences anymore because. The first goal within any team has got to be their division because that gets you to the playoffs. You can have Super Bowl dreams all day long, but your first your first goal had better be able to figure out how to win your own division instead of by luck through wild card because you know, we see that it just doesn't happen very often. You know, a wild card got, team goes in there and wins the Super Bowl. It, it, or you it can break it down doesn't. even more, Sonny. You could break it down even more and say, look, Who's who's the king of of our division right now? That's who we need Absolute, to focus on. Yep. Is beating that Absolute. team, whether it's the Rams or, or San Francisco. What just beat San Francisco? Just like when Lovey Smith took over in Chicago, his number one thing was beat Green Bay. He wasn't talking about Super Bowl. He wasn't talking. He wasn't even talking about winning the North. He was just like number. My number one goal is to beat Green Bay. I'm like preach on Lovey. And, yeah, and, you know, it happened. But, because but if, that's, that's, because if you can beat Green Bay, if, if you think about Aquero, if you can beat Green Bay, you, ju- you just beat, you know, considerably one of the best teams. Yeah, the top four. So if you can beat Green Bay, you can beat anybody, especially if you talk NFC. You know, you can beat anybody in the NFC. So it, it, I get it. It's just a different way of looking at it. Absolutely. Yeah. That, and that's what Seattle's focus should be, be San Francisco or the Rams, whichever one they feel is more of a threat to them. Um, I would probably say, honestly, San Francisco's probably the bigger threat. And I know that sounds crazy because everybody's going crazy about the Rams, all the, you know, they not. got the super team, you know, whatever. I'm telling you, and, and, and Sonny, please, let, let me make this clear. I'm not wishing let me mark anything it down. on anybody. Hey, Cuervo, wait a second. Is this something that I should be writing down? I mean, so is this something that I need to book it is what I call it? Book this down? Are you, you, are can. you going to – Yeah, <laughs> you're going to enlighten us, so let's do it. What? Uh, so what are you – hold on. Okay. Let's do this. Let's do this. All right. Go ahead, Cuervo. <laughs> All right. So, Tony – we all we know the NFL better than we know anything else. And one thing we know about the NFL is when there is any you know a, a unnecessary I guess amount of hype around a certain team, which the Rams are that team this year. Something and 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 I'm not wishing it, all right. But something bad always happens, and I think the Rams are going to get hit with a major. They're going to get hit with a major injury whether it's in the preseason or early in the regular season, 
And I, I don't know who it's going to be, but, Sonny, this happens every single time. Every time a Quarterback. team is hyped up and, and the expectation is there, something bad always happens. And, unfortunately, I think the Rams are going to be that team this year that are going to get hit with the bad injury, whether it's Todd Gurley or – I don't know who it's going to be, but, man, it's, it's not going to be good. And so that's why I say San Francisco – is going to be the team to beat in the NFC West. Cuervo, someone is going to rebuke the football gods over in L.A. And I don't know if it's because they play on the football, the baseball field, you know, for a while, you know, Cuervo, you know, it, it, that, that stupid situation where they play on a baseball field, you know, to me, that, that's rebuking the foot, football gods. I really, you know, I don't know if it's going to be that or if it's going to be injury, but someone's going to rebuke yeah. the football gods and they're going to wish, they're going to wish that they didn't do it. And I agree with you, Cuervo, when there's too much hype about a football team, th- those are the teams that are the ones that are not going to come through in the playoffs or for that matter's even make it to the playoffs so that's going to be my when I when I look at the whole thing as far and and even personnel you can have it but sooner or later you've got to figure out chemistry okay you can mm-hmm. say, you can have all the talent in football in football is probably more so than any other sport in football if you don't have chemistry at you know throwing Offensively and defensively, then you 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 could be in for a long long year of football. So it, it, could it be golf? Could it be girly? Uh, yeah, there we go. Yeah, Todd, could it be golf? Could it be girly? Um, but something is going to happen. I you know, and everybody is saying this team is Super Bowl bound. Cuervo, as much as I like, not going to happen. All right, it's not. It, it, there's just too much talk about it. And for the NFL, right. they're loving that. Mm-hmm. They don't want the Rams in the Super Bowl. Let's be honest, Cuervo. They don't want the Rams in the Super Bowl, period. And I'll tell you, the re- this main reason you can't turn a franchise around like that, it goes against everything that the NFL, you know, uh, team is all about. You don't get franchises that are expansions going into the Super Bowl. You're lucky to make it, have them make the, uh, make the playoffs in the first year. Those are going against football gods. And what they did last year, Cuervo, is the ultimate bitch slap to the, to the football gods. They, 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 didn't, they moved from, from St. Louis to L.A., and they did it with a with a, a punk quarterback that no you know that shouldn't have had the success that he did. Then you had him in a division that let's be honest, it was weak. It, it, it was weak, and, and and the conference at the Seattle Seahawks should have won easily. Um, so you know they they're they're defying all the football gods, and sooner or later that that comes back and haunts football teams, and it does. It usually comes back an injury. It comes back to something that happened that will shake a franchise up, whether it be off the field problems or whatever the case may be. They tested the football gods. They got away with it. The next thing that happens is going to be a problem for them. And I'm going to tell you, Cuervo, you know, it, it, it could be just as easy as, you know, even though it's, it's not necessarily one of the things that, you know, brings a football team down. I will tell you that there was something that happened with the Rams just recently as far as their um, suspension. 
They, they had a, a, a football player that was suspended for the PEE. Yeah, it was just, it was Jamon Brown suspended for the first two games of the Rams for yeah. violating the NFL policy and programs against not PEDs, Cuervo. It's substance abuse. Cuervo, you know, say whatever you want about it, okay? Also, same thing happened to um, Aaron Jones. Substance abuse, okay? And same thing with the guy from the 49ers, uh, Ruben Jones. Substance abuse. Now, granted, it's probably marijuana. They're never going to put out what that is. But it starts right here when you lose your oh. you, you lose your right guard for two games, Cuervo. This is where it starts. This might be the, the karma coming back against the L.A. Rams for bitch-slapping uh, bitch the football gods. I, I, no, I, I disagree a little bit, Tony. I think if it was marijuana, they would just say marijuana. I think I think it's a heavier drug, whether it's uh, cocaine or, God forbid, heroin or something like that. And that three players, Cuervo, three players this week were suspended for that reason. For mm-hmm. that reason. Substance uh, abuse policy. Substance. Not PEDs, because they, they mark those. They say performance-enhancing drugs. Right. But, uh, violation right, right, right. These are illegal right. drugs. So. You, you say whatever you want. Now, and I don't want to be a guy that puts the hammer down, but these guys broke the law, and they got the proof of it right there in the NFL offices. Okay? They broke mm-hmm. the law. They're doing something that is illegal. Because let's be – when you can look at it all day long, every single one of the violations that they have for substance abuse are against the law. Never mind humanity. They're against the law, and they shouldn't be doing it or have it. So – so two games. So you can break the law in the NFL, which, it, believe me, I'm for more harsher punishments for football players that don't do the right things because there's too many of them that do the right things. And that's the reason why you can't give teams two-game suspensions for substance abuse violations. They have to be more. Two games, Cuervo, that means nothing to a football player. It means two weeks of rest and maybe getting healthy. And that's not what it should be. It should be, man, I'm going to be out for six games. And they need to hold strong on that because it's real simple. You take that one up the board and you want to go in front of a judge and say you were doing an illegal drug and you were only suspended six games instead of getting fired, you should be lucky to be wearing a football jersey and making money after this. Absolutely. No, I'm with you, Sonny. I mean, the, the fact that you're still employed, uh, you should be counting, you know, count your blessings and thank your lucky stars because there's a Cuervo, lot of what happen, out there. What happens to you if that happens to you, Cuervo? I don't know if you take drug tests. I imagine you do. I would think that it would oh, be something God. that they do. Cuervo, what happens I, to you? Sonny, I pee more into a cup than I do into the <laughs> freaking urinal, okay? I'm, and, I'm being, and I'm not – well, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but yeah, the point bit, I'm making is, yeah – yeah, we get tested. We get tested very frequently. Now, if well, actually, no, it doesn't even matter what drug. If we, if if I test positive for any drug, any drug, I'm getting, I'm getting forced out of the military. I will be administratively separated with 
with a, a bad discharge, a discharge that will never get me another type of federal job or anything like that. So I can kiss that, yeah. that opportunity goodbye if I pop even once. So there is no like, oh, you know, we're just going to punish you this one time. Don't let it happen again. Nope. You get one shot because it's zero tolerance in the military. Yep. And if you mess it up, then you're done. So that's how it works for me. That, yeah, that I'm going to tell you right now, the NFL needs to have a stronger stance against illegal drugs. Period. And, and I'll even and I'll even go one further for you, Cuervo. Even marijuana, yes. And I don't care how widespread it is. You're talking about, and I know this is a cop-out excuse. People tell me this all the time because I use it all the time. You're playing a game for a living. Do you know how many millions of people that would give their left nut to play in the NFL, NBA, you know, Major League Baseball, and people do illegal drugs and and you know they slap them on the freaking hand. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's it, it's ridiculous. It's so unfair. It's so wrong. Think... And you know the NFL's got to tighten that policy, and they can't let it happen. Sure. I'm sorry. I, I'm these players, and I don't care who they are. If they're doing illegal substances, they need to be banned for a year. Okay. Why is that? That'll affect the pocketbook big time before they start doing something like this again, regardless how well, much sure. money that they're making. I mean, all she does do you think- is that, ask the young guy over in uh, in Oakland who came back. Uh, he used to be the running back in Seattle. What's his name? Slipping my mind. I shouldn't re- I shouldn't forget this guy. Um, the punk. Uh, Seattle running back went to Oakland. What's his name? Marshawn Lynch. Beast mode. Think about this. Marshawn Lynch. I'm not saying he did drugs. But I'm telling you, he missed a check for a year, and he surely changed his freaking opinion about playing in the NFL again, didn't it? When you miss that kind of money, it makes a difference. So if I am the commissioner of this league, I'm, I'm letting them go for the whole year against illegal substances because it's against the law, number one. Number two, puts a black eye on your product. Number three, it's so unhealthy for the player is when you give a two – game suspension for it you're saying it's acceptable it is such nonsense and this is where i don't agree with you know roger goodell normally i'm i'm kind of all right with roger goodell um but Mm -hmm. i think he needs to be harsher i think the and and i know that is not a popular belief amongst people within sports because all we hear about is when a player gets suspended, you know, midway through the whole damn thing, we go, how long are we going to punish this young man? The whole damn year. That's how long. You know, I, I, and, and I'm so tired of the, the, the coddling of NFL and professional sports uh, uh, athletes that they think they can get away with it. And the reason why they can get away with it is because they're allowed to get away with it. Two weeks does nothing. Nothing to teach these guys a lesson about not taking drugs and what it can do to your future in life, never mind just the NFL. They're they're sending the bad message. No, and and I'm with you. I agree 100%. I think, and I think you can really make that argument about any job industry. You know, I mean, I agree. If 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 the punishments are too light, what what it does, it creates that that environment that 
I'm, I'm not. I'm not even afraid of the punishment. Like, what are they going to do to me? Ooh, ooh, I'm suspended. Two weeks. Ooh. Like, they're, they're not even. They're not even afraid. And that's that's I'm, what you I have made, to do. I made twenty million last year, and I'm going to miss two games. Ooh, what's it going to do? Yeah, and yeah. still get paid. It sends such the wrong message. And, and maybe it's me. Maybe it's old school. I, maybe we're old school because, Cuervo, I'm going to tell you right now, I don't think the youth of America feels the way that we feel about it. I don't. I think the youth of America looks at something, what, well, two weeks for just this? Really? And I believe that's the youth of America. And I might be wrong you know, blanking it like that. But I think the youth of America are the ones who go, how long are we going to punish him just for this? Well, people, you know, people in regular life who do drugs, they lose their life usually. They're lucky to maintain a life after they get busted for it. Rightfully so, by the way. And so, you know. Yeah, and that's the thing, Sonny, is today, nowadays, like, it's a lot more – you know, the younger generation, and, and, you know, it kind of feels like now, I didn't grow up in the 70s, but kind of like that, that hippie feel to it where yep. it's like, oh, everybody's free and everybody should be, you know, peace, love, and happiness. You can make your own choice. You should be able to, you know, you can identify as, as a chair if you want to. Like, that's today's generation is like, you can be what you want. You can feel what you want. You can do what you want. Like that's what freedom's all about. But freedom comes with, with sacrifice. no freedom, consequences. Freedom comes, but it does come with consequence. To mm-hmm. to be able to have the the luxuries that we have in the United States of America, it it didn't come without sacrifice. Didn't come without consequences. Didn't come, you know, it, what we have now. I mean, there's people that have paid the ultimate price and, and, and mm-hmm. don't give me the whole like well you know you, you know because then people will start well it's not even really America's country we still don't let's not go let's not yeah, go down please, road, please. That, that's not what we're yeah. talking about here okay because at you know 600 years later it, it's pretty irrelevant it doesn't matter anymore what we have, <laughs> exactly. what we have you know what I mean like exactly like that's what it is so you know you can make that argument all day but at this point Look, doesn't matter anymore. Sorry, you know what I mean. Yeah. But that's the truth behind that. That's the that's the the raw truth behind who discovered America. It doesn't matter. I'm you know like the Rock. It doesn't matter who discovered it. <laughs> it doesn't matter. We have what we have now. So <laughs> exactly. Um, the point I'm making, Sonny, is look like that's what today's generation is is like everybody's free to be entitled to their opinion and then you're right you're right but not everybody should be entitled to break the law like you like you exactly. like you were saying or i agree you know do things just do illegal things and drugs are illegal i don't care if it's legal here in california to smoke marijuana for me it's not I can't do it. Well, I'm stationed in California. I could smoke marijuana all day if I want to. No, I can't. It's called the Uniform exactly. Code of Military Justice. I can't do it. I don't care where I am. I can't do it. Yeah. In the NFL, and, and, same and thing. It shouldn't matter what state you're in because you follow NFL rules. You don't follow state laws. It's just different. Yep. And, you have and to that's follow the policy. problem. 
policies are policies, and and that's way that three guys, you know, for that for the drugs. And so I, my assumption of maybe it being marijuana, I might be wrong. We'll never know. But Reuben Foster for the 49ers, he's out for two games, mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. that that's a big hit for them. By the way, that guy's monster as a monster linebacker. That's a hurt one. Now, Green Bay can do without running back, you know, Aaron Jones for a couple of games. That won't hurt him. But the Rams, you know, offensive linemen, when you, lo- when you lose Brown on the offensive line on the right-hand side, he's protecting the blind side. That's going to be a long two games right there for, uh, for Goff. So we got to look. So that's something to look out for. And it is. It might have been the bitch slap of the football gods that the Rams just did right there. Uh, that, and it was one guy that did it. It might be the prop. That having been said, of course, that's the name of the show. And we do it each and every week. I want to talk about something that's really interesting because I actually kind of like it. I, I first I did square ball. Well, I'll put it out there. Carol Owens not talking at the uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame. Parts of me didn't like that idea, but the actual answer of what he's going to do, he's going to give his Hall of Fame speech at his alma mater. And that, for folks that don't know, that was at Chattanooga, okay? So he's going to give his speech at um, the, uh, his college, his alma mater. So my question is, Cuervo, have you changed your opinion about him not talking at the Hall of Fame and how he decided to do it at his college alma mater? Or what what do you think about this whole situation? I mean, I'll turn in, and and you're going to hear some background. I'm in my truck now. I'm going to grab me some lunch, but uh, I'll mute myself when I'm not talking. But anyway, um, no, I you know, honestly, I still think he should have stuck it to the league and went because really the, the NFL, the Hall of Fame, they won in this situation. They got exactly what they wanted, which is Chio to not be there. I think they were banking on it. I think they were hoping that he wasn't going to show up. And well, he warned them exactly he wasn't going to. Yes, and I, and I think the NFL's happy with that. I think they're okay with it. So, um, you know, in, in reality, I mean, you know, people don't like it because it's never been done before and we're, we're not accustomed to it. Um, but I mean, I guess it's within his right. If he wants to pick his own location, whatever, I mean, look, it is what it is, guys. I mean, what are you going to do? Like he chose to not go to the, uh, to the actual hall of fame ceremony. I mean, I mean, what, what good, bad, or indifferent, who knows, right? Right. I mean, it doesn't, it's, it's kind of, kind of, uh, silly to be mad about like to me i mean it's just he exercises a trend i think is my question cuervo do you think this starts a trend i mean he's going to be at the university of tennessee at chattanooga and it's a free event which is another thing if you try to get into the hall of fame uh thing there it's going to cost you hundreds and hundreds of dollars he's got to open to the public and it's going to be free I, you know, could this be a start of a trend? I don't think it will be. I think this will be a one and done thing. Anybody else will be doing it in Canton. Uh, if if I told you that it would never happen again, Sonny, I'd probably be lying. I think it's very, it's going to be very rare that it happens. But do I think it's the, it's the start of a trend? Not necessarily, but I think down the line we could 
we could see it, you know, uh, we could see it again. And I and I'll give you I'll give you a name right now to to watch out for. And this and this is if this is even if he gets voted into the Hall of Fame. Uh, but I think a guy like James Harrison would do it. Wow, Where interesting. He, he would, I think he gets in, by the way. But yeah, interesting. Think about it. How many times did they stick it to him with suspensions and fines and all that stuff? Yeah, so he, he's probably you know he probably feels a certain way about the NFL Hall of Fame or just the NFL in general. And, you know, with him recently retiring, I think that was his retirement this year, which means he'll be eligible in 2024 or something like that. But anyways, you know, we'll remember that, you know, when he, when he, if he does make the Hall of Fame and it'll be interesting to see if he, if he does the same thing that T.O. did. But I think, I think if, if there's going to be another guy that does it, I think James Harrison would be the one. Yeah, that's see. I didn't even think about that, Cuervo. You know, absolutely right. That could be something that is is so huge. You know, uh, it, it 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 it's big. It's big time. So, yeah, who else is going to be? Yeah, I mean, there's some players that definitely are not great big fans of the NFL and how they do things. And it could come from guys like you talk about Harrison, who's been suspended before on multiple occasions and things of that sort. Richard Sherman, you know, I, I don't think Richard Sherman will do it because I, I think he'd do that. But that kind of attitude player could be like that. It'd be one of the guys that are kind of not necessarily, you know, NFL guys. I mean, so, you know, it, it won't be the, the offensive lineman that would do it. It'll be the diva type of players in reality if it ever happens again. Uh, so that, I think that I think that's huge as well. So um, it, it, it's really it, – that's actually kind of cool. So I, I – but parts of me likes the idea of what he's doing. He's doing it at his college, uh, you know, University of Tennessee at Chattanooga. It's a free event. Um, and, you know – you, you you know you can say whatever you want. The fact of the matter is, is that guess what? He ended up doing what he did, made the NFL, and he's doing it on his terms. Now, the question would be, would that be on his terms a great thing? You know, I you know I don't know how I feel about that portion of it, but I, I don't necessarily think it's wrong for him to do it either. So, uh, parts of me thinks that he should just go ahead, so he can have that. And so it, it's really huge as far as that is concerned. Now, that having been said, I got to kind of keep it a little. I don't have to always do local stories, but I got I got one to do right here. Local story, local NFL. Young man makes great after playing for the Buffalo Bills for a long time. Uh, hold on, let me hit that button right there because it's in the way and it's interrupting me. Boom, Marquise Grissom. Or Marquise Grissom, Marquise Goodwin, sorry, um, of the Rowlett Eagles in the NFL, played for the Buffalo Bills. Big story right here in Rowlett. He buys his mom a house. Guys, the, you know, you can say whatever you want about players or anything else, you know, but there's always something about mama, right, Cuervo? I mean, if there's a way that you could do it, I bet you a dime you'd buy your mama a house as well if you had the the capabilities of doing something like that. 
right here in Rowlett is, is a fantastic story right here. And on a guy who's obviously going to be a big part of this, you know, the, the San Francisco 49er offense, it's going to be, a, it's a, such a huge story. Yes. And, and actually I, I didn't, I'll, I'll be honest. I didn't finish watching the video, but I did see the beginning of the video when he surprised his mom. And I think it was his sister that was there as well. And his brother. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, his mom and his sister, uh, he surprised them, I think, with – was it a vehicle in house or just a house? But No, uh, no. It, there's a ni- it's a nice house right here in Rowlett. So it, it, yeah. it's, uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's a, a beautiful home. Um, and I, I, I think I even know exactly where it is because I don't live very far from him. So, yeah, um, and, and, I, and I did watch the video. And, I mean, you know, that's, that's you know, what you call – you know, taking care of family, you know, doing, doing things yep. like that. And, and, you know, just very appreciative and, and humble and thankful for, to be able to do those type of things. And, I, and I'm sure his, I mean, I'm sure he feels just as good as about, you know, about getting the house for his mother as she does receiving that. Now it's funny that you mentioned that though, Sonny, because although I, I wasn't, I didn't have the money to outright buy the home for my mother i actually i actually did pay for uh the down payment for my mother to purchase uh the the property that she is that she lives in right now and she will officially own uh her home in about nine months she's been paying that for 10 years now yeah she's been paying for 10 years and in nine months she will officially be a homeowner with no payment, like it's hurt. That's awesome. Those are great stories, and the, and the reason why I brought it up, first of all, it was local. Second of all, a positive story. You know, in today's sports, it's hard to find anywhere, and that yeah. But the obvious big portion of it is a former Rowlett Eagle, the big time story right there um, for us right here within our local. So. That having been said, of course, that's the name of the show. We got about yeah, about 13 more minutes, but I guess I got to ask Cuervo the question. I, and maybe it's me. Maybe it's because I don't like the guy. Maybe I don't know. But I'm about sick of hearing about how great Odell Beckham is when he makes a catch in practice. I, you know, I maybe I'm maybe I'm sick of it. Maybe it means nothing to me because it's practice. You know, I, that part I don't know. You know, because we are talking about practice okay so practice means nothing obviously when uh, Alan Iverson um, put that theory up in front of everybody it doesn't mean anything but to me catching a one-handed a one-handed catch in practice I mean to me it's just it's not a story however it is a story it's all over ESPN are you like me maybe I'm just too rough on him I'm sick of Odell Beckham and Here's one thing I'll say before you jump in. Cuervo, I hope he, he comes back and he is healthy. I really do. I hope he can prove me wrong. There's very many, there's very few that I hope prove me wrong, but there's something about Odell Beckham that tells me I hope he can come back and prove me wrong because I think he's all hype. I really do. Always thought he was. Still think he is. And, you know, I hope he proves me wrong. Oh, well, Sonny, I, I, do, I did see the video you were talking about, and we definitely are on the opposite side of this. Um, <laughs> I, I like – I enjoy it. I think it's – I mean, to, 
to see a guy that talented display it, even if it is just a practice, I mean, to me, it's cool to watch. I don't buy into it like, you know, like, oh, my God, it's the greatest one-handed catch in a practice ever made. But I don't know. I mean, it's just it's entertaining to watch. I don't think anything of it. I'll just be like, wow, that was, that was pretty crazy. I've never seen that before. And then I move on with my day. Like, I don't sit there and, and just, you know, just praise it for, for hours. I mean, it's, it's cool to watch. Well, that's, that's what it. the media is definitely doing, Crevo. There's no, there, there's no, practice, no question about yeah, that. Yeah, well, they're not, they're not sucking me into that whole thing. You know, thing. I just I'm I I supposed to be know, a franchise player, it. and we're in here talking about practice. Well, man, yeah, I mean, we're talking listen, about practice, we're talking about practice. Oh, not a game, Alan, not I a know. game, not a game. I, I know it's not a game. We're talking about practice. I know. <laughs> I got you, Alan. I AI AI. Listen, listen, AI. I know it's <laughs> all right. Look, you probably did some amazing things in practice too, okay? Uh, but you know, we're talking about Beckham here. I mean, I hope he comes back healthy too because I think he's good for the NFL. A lot of the young generation he is too. Are, 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 you know, he's a magnet to them, and and you know, he's a top jersey seller, and he's all these things that the NFL needs and wants. So, an, a, a healthy Odell Beckham, a healthy Antonio Brown, like the NFL needs that. And they they hope well, for that. So. Cuervo, there's no question they need that. Okay, and not only that, when you talk on an Odell uh, Beckham playoffs. Yeah. Don't talk about playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs? That and that's what they need, Cuervo. This is a football squad that needs to make the playoffs without question. And if they don't, it will. You know, New York. New York has got a great big stadium, a great big venue, a great big, you know international venue as well. And they play you know sixteen games in that stadium. Okay, between them and the Jets. And the Jets, uh, you know, yeah, they're not sniffing anything yet, and neither are the Giants. I think the NFL needs the Giants to be good. I, and the reason why is because of Odell Beckham and what he does. What you talked about, Cuervo, you know, kids are looking at this guy. And I think when you look at him, I'm not saying I like Odell Beckham. I see why kids like him. So they have to move that guy in a positive in the NFL and promote that guy in order to keep it. And uh, hopefully one of these days he can change my opinion about him. I don't personally like the man, but I see the importance of him in the NFL. Not only that, as far as the giants are concerned, because I mean, he still has nobody throwing him the football. Yeah, I said it. So, you know, you've got a problem in New York, but you've got a superstar so not only you got to look at that, you know, the story will be great, Cuervo, if he can come back and say, I came back from this catastrophic injury and came to be, it came out and been, and I was one of the best to play the game after that. That's a great story for the NFL, and I think that's something they need to bank on. And But the only problem is the Giants aren't going to help him because Eli Manning's at the quarterback position for the Giants. All hail Eli. <laughs> No, I mean, yeah, you're right. That's the downfall. I mean, you know, until they get a better quarterback, younger guy, I mean, that's – you know, we'll see, though. I mean, you know, the the Giants are going to have a better offensive line, and I know we're not – we haven't done a preview yet, but I think that's going to help big time, you know, better offensive line, and that that could be, you know, the key to Eli having one more decent year. It'll be interesting to see how that happens. Yeah, but 
Yeah, I, you know, this happened a couple of years ago where he made a spectacular catch. Heck, maybe it was last year. I don't, I don't, I don't remember. But I, I remember thinking to myself, okay, I'm not impressed, and I'm still not impressed. Um, so that, that's something to look at. By the way, Cuervo, I got a question for you. Is it me, or is there something going on in sports that I'm completely missing? Okay, and I'm not just talking the NFL. I'm just talking about sports in general because there seems to be a couple of stories, if I'm not mistaken, three stories that have centered around a superstar and people are ending up dead in their house. Okay? Here's another one. I mean, this this one just, I mean, I don't get it. I don't know how, I, and, and I don't understand it, but we're talking about the Giants. Janoris Jenkins there was a, you know, the brother of Janoris Jenkins is charged with manslaughter after a body was found in Jenkins's house. Now, God, I, I don't. Story. Is that and and there was another story not more than a month, a month and a half ago with the same thing. A dead body was found in somebody's house, uh, and over in the Ravens, there was a dead body found in a in a freezer in the Ravens. People are showing up dead around NFL players. I don't know if I, <laughs> I don't know if I want to be an NFL player or be around them in reality. Cuervo, this is yeah. it's almost scary. They got to find some better hobbies in the off season. Chopping <laughs> humans and putting them in a freezer—that's just not the way to go. I'm sorry. It's, you know, murder, murder is not a hobby you should be doing in the off season. I'll just, I'll just put it so. that way. Ask Aaron Hernandez about that. I mean, I, mean, I, I, you know, I don't know. I just, you know, you know, Ray Lewis. I mean, ask him about this. I mean, find find something productive to do in there. Uh, interesting stuff. Um, I, I when I saw that, I, I'm just completely shocked about where where the NFL is going and how it's going. I mean, because I mean, I, if, if I'm not mistaken, it was just like last week. I mean, it wasn't Keith McCants. It was he was arrested for a drug charge. So we're lucky he got out of it and didn't get dead. We're just lucky he just got arrested on a drug charge. This guy's like 50 years old now, and um, you know, if you don't know who he, he played for, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and he was arrested on drug charges in Florida. I mean, so maybe he got caught before he got killed. Maybe he was going to be the next story. But, you know, as an NFL player, then, you know, you, you should really, really set your goals a little higher than being a drug dealer. I, I, I don't know. Maybe it's me, but, you know, maybe there's something Maybe there's, maybe there's something hey. to, the, to the statement. <laughs> that reminds me, what was the name of that guy that played for the Cowboys? And then he played for the Bears one year. And he got caught too being a drug dealer. He and he was moving yes. like the wide receiver. Hard. Um, Sam yeah. uh Sam something. Oh Herb. my god. Sam Hurd. Sam Hurd. Sam Hurd. Yes. That guy. Remember that, yeah. <laughs> Remember that guy? Well, hey, he was like a, a little bit dealer. higher, guys. <laughs> yeah, he was a drug he was I think he was like Escobar's uh uh, you know, predecessor. I don't know. I mean he was like doing some big time stuff. So hey, tons of tons of marijuana, Cuervo, tons of marijuana. Um, so, yeah, it, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's definitely an interesting story. Uh, you know, there's lots of things going on here in the off season. you know, I, and it's going to be interesting to watch. We're not done yet. I mean, there's going to be some more crazy stories by the time we hit the first game uh, of preseason, which, by the way, is not more than a month away, Cuervo. So, you know, we're going to get our first preseason game here fairly quickly. 
So um, something to look forward to, and, you know, we're, we're about ready to kick into it. Have you started studying yet? I, I've done some studying. Um, I still got a lot more to do. But, Me too. Um, <laughs> I mean, I've I, I browsed over some things. Uh, I've really got to go deep into, you know, what, what teams have done in the offseason and whatnot. So it, I've only scratched the surface. I've yeah, only scratched the surface of my research. I've been I've been distracted in reality, Mori Povich. You know, yeah, I, I was distracted last night, and, and I, I know it's wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I just want to know if it's a lie or if they're the father. Like, it just, yeah, just I, more so. Who's the best linebacker in this division? You know, I, I know I got to change my thinking. I, I, I'm very, very guilty. So, <laughs> but it is what it is. Well, we knocked the three hours uh, here on the Couch Potato Sports Show. We did it again, Cuervo, something that's not very hard to do once we get started talking. Uh, good stuff. And uh, you going to be around next week? Absolutely, I will. Great. So we'll do it again next week on the 21st episode here in the ninth season on the Couch Potato Sports Show. Don't forget again, folks, August 31st, Rally at Eagle Varsity Football starts. The week before that, where, uh, uh, the Eagle Eye and myself will be out on a remote somewhere talking Rally at Eagles. Till then, I'm Sonny Clark, the hardest working man in sports radio, along with Cuervo. We're out of here, everybody. Have a good day. Bye-bye.